0: Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big Jets win last night. Massive trade in the National Football League today that I have to unfortunately talk about. We have a busy, busy show for you here on WST. Coming off uh, that big win last night for the Winnipeg Jets and heading into back-to-back games at home tomorrow against Ottawa and Friday against Columbus and the return of Patrick Line. Going to talk a lot of hockey on the program, um, but we will, of course, get to this NFL story as well. Mike Zeisberger is going to join us from NHL.com, one of our favorites. We'll uh, kind of go around the league with him post-trade deadline. And then Murata Tesh, one of your favorites, without a doubt, going to join us a little later on. We'll talk about what we saw last night at Canada Life Centre and look ahead to these uh, next two big games on the homestand. Great to have you all with us. Shout out to everybody in chat with us on YouTube as well as everyone listening on the podcast had a great couple of days with the excitement around the trade deadline thanks to everyone for viewing and for downloading if you are a podcast listener and you have the opportunity to quickly pop on to apple or spotify give us a five-star rating and a little review it is greatly appreciated and of course if you're watching on youtube had a ton of new subscribers recently over the past week welcome thanks so much for doing this if you're with us on youtube hit that thumbs up button and make sure you've hit the red subscribe um first things first big thanks to the sponsors that make wst happen every day f apparel vita health culligan water princess auto boston pizza little brown jug nick and nicky dq group canadian club cool bet canada our friends at royal sports not autocorp and of course the gang down at manitoba battery so zeiss Maroc coming up. Lots to get to out of last night's game. And let's not wait any longer and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo,
2: what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling great. Uh, you know, great win last night at Canada Life Center. But I'm still trying to figure out, like, what I watched. Uh, I still, one of the most, I think fans ended up leaving the game very happy with a 4-0 win. And I think if you looked at, you know, just scrolling through... You know, the box scores, you'd be like, oh, you know, Vegas, they played the night before in Minnesota. They had how many players injured? Lehner, McNabb, Hey, Martinez, Petrietti, Stone, Dadonov in trade limbo, uh, Riley Smith out. I mean, you can go on and on and on, but, uh, and you'd think, oh, the Jets dominated them. They won 4 nothing. Absolutely not the case. Um, I felt like in the first period I was having déjà vu from the previous Tuesday, where the Jets didn't get a shot until like seven minutes left in the first, and then it was like five. I think they got a power play before they got a shot on goal, and the power play came with five minutes left in the first period. It was, I mean, it was it was wild watching that first period. But to come out with a win, I think it's great to see. I said before the game, Hellbuck, let's see him give up less than three goals. Well, he certainly did that. You know I, what? And I got Kate? a win. I gotta tell you this. So I can't remember when it was. Last night,
1: afterwards, I think I was checking out K and R or whatever, and I clicked on to yesterday's episode on YouTube. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure because I have a Winnipeg Sports Talk loaded up. It goes to a certain point. The point that it started was your take going, you know, Hellebuck's letting in all these goals. It'd be nice if he could keep it under three. That was the first thing that I saw, and I just laughed my head off because. This was like an hour after Hellebuck stood on his head with a 42 save shutout performance. And um, let's face it, he completely bailed his team out in the first half of the game. I mean, specifically the first period, where I mean, you would have had no well, you would have had quite an idea and you would have been completely wrong if you looked at that game and go, hmm, which is the team missing half their lineup and which was the team that played the night before? Uh, it certainly didn't look like it was the Vegas Golden Knights. It looked like it was the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it was just a dreadful start. Um, but you know what? Sometimes when things aren't going well on one side, you need the other side to pick them up. And uh, Connor Halibut's been doing that for a long time. Recently, as you mentioned, there had been you know more goals than usual getting past him. Uh, but man, he stepped up. And man, was he fired up after the game. I mean, we'll play this for folks watching on YouTube. An epic, epic first-star celebration one of the best ones that he's ever done, the fishing one. And he's certainly doing a great job promoting the fishing bobblehead night coming up on April 6th against the Detroit Red Wings. And um, and then after the game, uh, gets the helmet inside Remo and uh, inside the dressing room. And it's pretty clear what he wants to do. I mean, he said straight up, let's go make the playoffs. So um, certainly there's some belief in that room. And it starts with 37. And I'll tell you what, if he plays like that for the rest of the season, they might just be
2: able to do what a lot of people have thought's impossible. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck was absolutely incredible yesterday. I think Will Carrier, he definitely didn't go to sleep last night. He had nightmares getting stoned on cross-create. Chandler Stevenson, too. Yeah, I think um who's the defenseman? He had Coglin. He had like six shots on goal, maybe two posts. It was ridiculous. Over and over again, Connor Hellbuck bailing his team out. I mean severely outshot 42 saves needed a shutout and uh I we can agree you and I agree Connor Helback there is no one better when Let's coming throw out, this out here. first star celebrations I mean comes out with the fishing rod as you said raises his hands in the air chucks the stick to a fan what a what a first star celebration and I think you know the crowd loved it Ehlers as well did a great job as the second star I mean he's been dynamite uh since returning so those two guys really pumped up the ground a little less enthusiasm
1: starts. from the third star last night
2: yeah i mean he just went into to them closest i mean look if you're going to be a star in the game you know hellebuck shows you how it's done he comes out pumps up the crowd does a little celebration i think ehlers did the same skated all the way across the ice what are you gonna ha- half-ass it and just go to the closest thing and just you know check your stick over like it's nothing like show some enthusiasm and people people love to see that look think of all, all the social media action hellebuck just got yeah sometimes it, it is very strange i mean for a game like that and a result like that for
1: the club i mean um you, you know for a guy that you know was so bright-eyed when he got here and seemed to be so excited about everything um. Yeah. Sometimes you look at look at Mark Scheifele after wins and go, man, that uh, doesn't seem like a guy that's very happy or having very much fun. That being said, most of the rest of the team was last night. You mentioned Ehlers fired up after the game, and certainly Connor Hellebuck. And this was about Hellebuck and uh, the return to you know the Vesna Trophy type performance that he uh, delivered uh, to the team last night let's uh, you know let's get that helmet presentation up right now i mean let's uh, you know hear it obviously it'll be a little bit better on youtube for the folks that are watching it for the f- podcast as well listen closely to what hellebuck says after uh, getting the helmet from uh, jansen harkins
0: yeah, baby. uh what Hi, today welcome back out what, this guy's
1: been battling all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Ellie. Oh, boys are finally winning. That's the key. Let's go. Big playoffs. Yeah! <laughs> there it is. And uh listen, I've always loved Halibach first and foremost for the way that he plays. But you know, I've said it, you know, for years, he's my favorite interview on the Winnipeg Jets because he doesn't seem to have a filter. Um, he's got an incredible confidence and belief in himself and uh, you know what, that's important. And, you know, for him to have a game like that, to say that to his teammates, I mean, I realize it's still a long shot Um, and it really will determine, we'll know next week as to how realistic the Jets can potentially bounce back into it. Um, You know, with how they perform over these next four games, again, very, very winnable games before they play the Leafs on the second end of a back-to-back. But, um, Tell you what, I mean, you may wonder sometimes by listening to some players on the teams to where their heads are at. We certainly know where Connor Hellebuck's head's at, and that's in going out winning the next game. And uh he did it almost single-handedly, at least for a good portion of the game last night, before in very Jets fashion, the goals started coming a little bit later on in the
2: game. Yeah, um, the floodgates opened and I mean Vegas, they just couldn't they just couldn't score. Um and the Jets, you know, you know how good they are at finishing is, you know, it's kind of funny. The first goal, us, um, you know, the Jets, you know, a little zone entry and the puck bounces around like bounces off Dubois and nearly into the net. I mean, the Jets basically scored without even shooting almost there. And Vegas had chance after chance and couldn't. That's kind of how it's been for Vegas. And you look at some of the other goals, you know, nice tip from uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Although, uh, what, Svechnikov uh, had one that got called back, which, you know, I usually hate offside review, but that one seemed to be pretty clear to just about everyone that it was offside. And if it can take, like, 30 seconds and you can know, then, yeah, overturn it. But if we're at the point where you're zooming in like a microscope, then then don't bother. a uh, peon. Well, I-
1: yeah, let's let's remember what happened right after that goal. I
2: mean, the teams won up. In
1: fact, before we get to the disallowed goal, let's not forget, um, you know, it was the debut of Zach Sanford in a Winnipeg Jet jersey and Mason Appleton was out and you know, Appleton had flown what, four and a half hours to get to Winnipeg. I mean, he wasn't quite um, in full form, I would say, you know, a little choppy puck bouncing off his stick at times, but showing his speed, working hard. I was really impressed with Zach Sanford, I mean especially early in the game when the Jets as a team were doing almost nothing. He was at least making some hits, he was being physical, he showed some real poise with the puck as well, and Remo you know, it was him that it was he that was able to draw that initial penalty in the second period that got the power play that ended up with the pierre Luc dubois goal and you know it was interesting i mean blake wheeler will take the assist on that one i mean he basically was centering it and i think it went off the skate of a uh a golden knight defenseman and then, you know, Dave Lowry, what's he saying? Go to the net. Be in the areas where you can score. That's exactly where Pierre-Luc Dubois was and was able to score that goal. So, um, you know, that was nice. And credit to Zach Sanford, who I thought looked pretty good in his first game as a Winnipeg Jet. Uh, but then everyone thought that it was 2-0. Um, they go to the offside challenge. It doesn't go the Jets' way. It's one nothing. Svechnikov gets smoked right off the, uh, off the face-off Gives a little whack to the Vegas Golden Knight player and takes a penalty right there, and he was very close a couple times, I think, to earning another ten minute misconduct. It's a good thing that he didn't last night because, um, frankly, they needed him, uh, you know, in that top six with the injuries that we're playing right now. And uh, he he does go on a fine line, but I thought he did make the most of his opportunity getting back up there with Connor and Dubois,
2: man. Svechikov, I don't know. I think the refs are out to get him because he does something and gets a penalty and other players do it and nothing happens. I mean, he got smoked, as you said, off the draw. Pretty clear interference. And then he gives the guy a little love tap with his stick. I mean, call both. Call nothing. I I mean, and he's in a tough spot where he's taken 10 minutes before because they, I don't know, they got an eye for him. I was really, uh, I was pretty peeved. I thought that was total BS. That call. And you see that in well, you know, they always take the retaliatory one, and that's like what you always say, but that was that was a nothing slash of an interference off base off. I was I was pretty I was pretty bothered by uh, by that play. I know refing is hard, but that's pretty obvious intentional miscall. I see what you're doing there, officials. Yeah, the uh, I don't know. There is a
1: little bit of a rivalry developing right now with Spetch, and the thing is, well, I mean, well, he's got to keep his head together in that. I mean, you know, we've seen what's happened. In a lot of ways, the ten that he took a couple games ago was opening the door for Nikolai Ehlers to come up and show what he can do. Um, and listen, they had to get Ehlers back in the top six and play in more minutes. I think everybody knew that. Um, I think maybe the logical spot would have been where he was last night playing with Shifley and Wheeler if everyone was set, you know, and having Paul Stastny being able to play, you know, potentially third line minutes. Um, But then when Ehlers looks so good with Connor and Dubois and how effective that line was, and I still think that that line is better with Ehlers on it than it is with Svechnikov, hard to argue otherwise. Um, But, you know, the fact of the matter is he went on last night, you know, did connect with Shifley and Wheeler when they needed it later on in the game. And if Svech can hold on to that spot and you can play Ehlers with Shifley and Wheeler, ideally, personally, I think I like him with Dubois and Connor, and maybe that'd be the first line. That would by me, be my preference. But, you know, for a team that's just lost Andrew Kopp, uh, you know, there is something to be said about having Paul Stasty maybe shore up that Adam Lowry line along with the Mason Appleton. Where that leaves Zach Sanford, I'm not sure. But it'll be very interesting to see once Lowry gets back on Friday, how the lines look. And uh, in particular, where Nikolai Ehlers plays, if you have a full complement to forwards, where Dave Lowry decides to go with that decision.
2: Yeah, I thought that third line Sanford, you could see his, uh, his big body Appleton, you know, what you're getting from him and Stazd in the middle. I thought, you know, the results were pretty good for those guys from, uh, you know, looking at shot attempts. And I do wonder, I mean, does Adam Lowry go, you just swap back Adam Lowry or, or does Adam Lowry, you know, solidify the fourth line who was able to get a couple more minutes because they had a lead, you know, late in the game. But, um, I think no, they, there's they just, no way. I mean, he so. had what
1: six six goals in his last eleven games, playing some of his best hockey. They need his defense. I mean, yeah, you know, they, if you if you had in an, in a. Uh, Listen, if the roster was a little different, maybe, but I have a hard time imagining that Adam Lowry is going to be playing a lesser role when he gets back in, considering the way he's looked and what he's done coming out of the deadline. Now, maybe it's different without Andrew Kopp in the mix, because having Kopp on that line was also a big catalyst to it. Um, But I would be stunned
2: if that was the the way that Dave Lowry went. Yeah, I I guess. (laughs) When you say I'd be stunned that Dave Lowry would put Adam Lowry on the fourth line. When you put it, when you put it like that, Huss, then it, you know what? Maybe have a have a have a point. But uh I, I do Svechnikov has kind of been the odd guy. I mean, they're not afraid to put him on the fourth line. But I do wonder if it gives you a more balanced attack with you know what we saw last night. Although, you know, last night I gotta be honest, they have, now I think about it, I mean the actual result was fantastic, but the game, I mean for two-thirds of the game was pretty terrible so maybe maybe you are you're and and you do need to switch something up here not keep it together well i'll I'll say this um
1: you know what it's unrealistic to to think certainly with what we've seen from this team that they're going to go out and play their best every game for the rest of the season Mm. i think we can all safely say that they were far from their best for the majority of that game last night however connor hellebuck was his at his best and that was the reason why they won that game. And I think, you know, the jets probably, and we even saw a little bit after the game when Dubois was speaking with the media and Marat we'll ask him about it. He sort of asked in a very Marat way of trying to say like, how the hell do you guys explain coming out as flat as you did last night and going even longer than last Tuesday with the infamous Bronx cheer game um, without getting a shot on goal. And, um, you know, he sort of owned it, said, you know, hey, they wasn't what they needed to be and Connor Helebuck did what he did and hopefully that's a boost to avoid that coming up in these next couple of games. I mean, Dave Lowry clear after the game, he's I'm not going to sit here and bitch about the game. We know we need to be better. We had the best player on the ice tonight. He was our goaltender. Um, but that is not the blueprint to put together a winning streak even against some of the lesser lights of the National Hockey League and um but I'll tell you what, Seeing Hellebuck play that way, I think gives a lot of hope to a lot of people that um, you know maybe just maybe they could go on a roll because there's no more important player for the Winnipeg Jets when he's playing at his best than number thirty-seven in the net.
2: Yeah, I mean he was absolutely incredible yesterday. I'm seeing comments of Vesna Buck in chat. Uh, he was so. back. He was totally back. Yeah, I think was... he's fired up about this fishing bobblehead, and I think he really
1: wanted to get a shutout, get a first star. To be able to go out. And the, the video that the Jets have put out, I know they played at the games as well. And he's really leaning into it. So uh, a few more first-star cellies, which for my money, the best in the league by far. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Let me ask you this, Remus, and I'll be interested to see what people in the chat have to say. Ottawa tomorrow night, Columbus Friday, Arizona Sunday. Eric Comrie is going to be playing one of these games. I heard Weber say that when Kellebuck played the way he did last night, you know, you'd be tempted to go right back to him. And he even suggested that maybe they go back-to-back Thursday, Friday, and then let Comrie play against Arizona, um, you know, considering the way he played against Arizona the last time they played out. I mean, I guess I've got time for that argument, but I have to admit, especially the way Dave Lowry played Comrie in the first of the back-to-backs last week with the Jersey Islanders series, even though Hellebuck played the way he did um, you know, last night, I wouldn't be surprised, and I think I would almost back the notion of putting Comrie in against Ottawa tomorrow night, giving Hellebuck the extra day, get him out there against Liney and the Blue Jackets, and then go back with Hellebuck on Sunday night against the Coyotes. Where are you with on that?
2: Yeah, first of all, we do need to point out the Jets' a schedule on tuesdays in march they went a perfect four and oh so we were kind of trashing them on early week games before this month but i mean they scored what eight eight sorry seven seven and four goals on these tuesdays And by the way shout
1: out to everyone that rode with me remember at the Mm -hmm. end of the show we were talking about oh what's the jets team total it was plus 111 for over three and a half in regulation and uh shout out to nick who uh you know got that fourth Mm -hmm. goal Made everybody happy. Made everybody comfortable in the arena that there would be no comeback and uh, cash some tickets. So yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of scoring on Tuesdays and a lot of winning on Tuesdays
2: this month, which was uh, far from the case earlier on in the season. Yeah, as far as the goalie schedule, yeah, I, I was figured Comrie would go Thursday and then Hellebuck, Hellebuck, Friday and and Sunday, but I don't know. Maybe I think you, you get... have to have Hellebuck on Friday night against Columbus. Oh, again, because it's the I think because it's Friday night. It's the Line A well, return. And, and to return. be honest, I
1: mean, I think they know Patrick Line A is going to come in on Friday night, and he is going to be. Um, I, I I think he might look like he's possessed. I mean, I think we are going to see the best, the best Patrick Line A, and and that's trouble for <laughs> goaltenders. And and I'll tell you what, I think Hellebuck is going to feel like you know he wants to be up for that challenge. I think he's really going to want that game. So if you can give him an extra day of rest and then a day off before Arizona, I mean, I don't know the way, and I know Dave Lowry has said, I mean, with Comrie starts before, he pretty much has known when he's starting. So, um, you know, just based on what he did beforehand, I will predict that he goes with Comrie against Ottawa and then comes back with Hellebuck against the Blue Jackets and against Arizona on Sunday.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I started, you know, after the game, I mean, you know, look at the spot the Jets are in the standings. I see. The current scoreboard across the NHL, and I'm like, well, wow, look at the schedule coming up here. You got Ottawa, Columbus, Arizona, Buffalo. I mean you're kind of primed for a win streak here and you know Toronto, the return what Dion could, Toronto in March, and then I'll go April. You can look at the schedule. I mean there's a, a couple of games against Detroit, Ottawa, Montreal, Seattle, I mean there's some games here against teams that are out of the playoffs. And I was looking at Doms' uh, playoff odds. Well, the Jets are up now on Doms. um, They're 15% to make the playoffs. Vegas down to 25% to make the playoffs. And they had like over 90% preseason prediction. So, I mean, you keep winning games, the, the chances go higher. And look, it was pretty... Again, I came home, I was like, what did I just watch? Like, I can't believe they won that game after looking so terrible i mean they couldn't the first 15 minutes they couldn't get out of their own end once they got in there they were shooting a wide you know they're trying to make fancy passes for some nice goals i mean they ended up winning but like was connor someone said okay give me the i didn't see the game give me the two sentence recap i said "Hellbuck stood on his head jets scored a couple goals and that was my two sentence recap of the game well, I you know what? And I'll say this and the Jets have done this as well in in previous games when they've
1: sort of hung in there, well, the goaltending's held them in or whatever. They've been they played poorly, got the lead and then played better once they had the lead. And I think they certainly did that last night. But again, the bar was very low for the way that they the way that they came out and uh I know all of Twitter was going, "How loud will the Bronx cheer be tonight?" I mean, the crazy thing is, it was absolute déjà vu of what had happened last week and You know, the only thing that didn't happen was, you know, getting the shot and scoring a couple goals before the intermission. And you know, I was wondering whether—I mean, it would be so fascinating to see how things, you know, work behind the scenes at the intermission. Because if there was ever a time for a coach to go in and do the Ken Weeb, wake up or pale some paint off the walls, it would have been that. It would have been that period because you're playing for your lives. You're playing against a team you're chasing. I mean, it was. It was shocking to see them come out that flat. But again, one Mr. Hellebuck came up big and, um, you know, the Jets get the win and uh, you know, move, put that one in the rear view, move on and uh, commit to being much better tomorrow night in the first period against the Ottawa Senators. Um, hey, you know, one other quick note, Remo, I didn't have the thing. I mean, we never really mentioned this and it was, I guess it was a little later on, but uh, Christian Reichel staying in the mix with the Jets.
2: Yeah, it officially was announced during the game, I think. And he signed a two-year, two-way deal, and think seventy-five thousand. So, I mean, undrafted player, made an impact this season, and he'll be around for a bit more. So that was a, a small note coming out of, I believe it was during, during the game. But I uh, just saw that one. As far as today goes, uh, it was an optional practice today uh 15 guys out there uh
1: apparently no coaches so uh blake wheeler um, ran some drills i guess i'm not sure the captain sort of taking over some of the maybe he's like the old bobby hall player coach um back in the wha days uh but anyways they were out there about half the team or a little bit more than that going through some they split the sticks up and played a little later on so we'll get to that with um with Murat a little bit later on. No Hellebuck on the ice today, as I said. There's a Mike's pop- popping uh Mike's tweet. Um, 15 skaters and Eric Comrie, and um now again it's, we're kind of talking a little bit more. And it'll be interesting to ask Murat as to what he thinks uh about potentially going with Comrie against Ottawa, or you know do you pretty much owe it to the team to keep Hellebuck in there after a performance like that although there's so much hockey and we were just looking at that schedule. I mean, at one point, the Jets have five games in one week with two sets of back-to-back. So, Karmie's going to get some starts. Um, I think, you know, what you want to do is put him in situations where he can succeed and maximize the rest for Hellebuck to get him as ready as possible. So, Uh, We'll talk about that with Murat coming up a little bit later on in the program. Um, I know a lot of people are asking about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, what a crazy day. Tyreek Hill is now a member of the Miami Dolphins, traded for five picks. Um, I am somewhat crestfallen. I mean, that is, I still had a lot of confidence the Chiefs were the best team in the division, even with all the movement in the AFC West in the offseason. I'm not sure I'm there anymore. That is he is such a difference maker and everything is different with him on the field or with him out the field. So um, a lot on the shoulders of Pat Mahomes going forward and certainly chiefs general manager, Brett Veach. I'm sure. We'll touch on that. Maybe even quickly with Zeiss coming up in a few minutes. Uh, we will have Murat coming over a little later on. Hey, Reem, before we get into uh, Mike Zeisberger, there's something I wanted to mention yesterday that I know our regular listeners and viewers will get a kick out of. So there's this thing called the Winnipeg... What is it? The Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards um, where they put together, you know, people's most popular, you know, whether it's restaurants, bars, like all sort of things for people that are going out. We have somehow made it to the finals and been nominated for... And I just love this so much because it goes back to what we've been talking about for the last year. It was always the number one radio station. That was the award. Well, they have now changed it to the top radio station slash podcast. And we are one of five finalists. It's Winnipeg Sports Talk, Virgin 103, Energy 106, QX 104 Country, and Two Baked Girls podcast. Not familiar with the Two Baked Girls, but shout out to them for getting on the list. So uh, folks, if you want to help us out, this would be amazing to win an award that is straddling both podcasts and radio stations, including the mall. Um, You go to, uh, throw that thing back up again for a second, Rima. I think it's WNLA.ca. That's correct. WNLA. It's very simple. Just go in, just go vote. So if you do us a favor, give your boys at WST a few votes, and uh, obviously you'll see a bunch of other funds. Little brown jugs on the list, so you can give them uh, some plug for the favorite local craft beer. Uh, but definitely get on down there for so the top radio station and or podcast. And uh, how cool would that be to, uh, to take out all the radio stations in our first year of Winnipeg Sports Talk? So there it is. WNLA.ca. Very simple. Go throw us in a, a vote if you can. All right. We're going to get Mike Zeisberger coming on in just a second. Uh, hey, summer's just around the corner. Weddings are happening. Grads are happening. And every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. The place to get it is, of course, F Apparel with incredibly amazing and affordable custom suits for men, um, along with things like golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories and more. They have got it all. Uh, They've got great deals for wedding parties. If you do have a wedding coming up, talk to Andrew and the gang about a deal for the entire wedding to get custom suits from the event that you can keep and wear forever, um, as well as a great deal for high school grads uh, free shirt and tie for all um, high school graduates. If they get a suit from F, you can pretty much get completely outfitted starting at $400. They're at 190 Smith Street and they're online at F Apparel, E P H Apparel com uh, our friends at vita health continue to provide winnipeg and manitobans well for over 50 years they've been doing it with great prices on winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements beauty products and groceries and we've got a great deal for you because friday is customer appreciation day march 25th you'll save 10 percent on everything in the store with a few exceptions and that's in addition to current sale prices And if you can't make it into the store, visit the brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market, check out their delicious lunch options as well. Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more at any of their seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And, of course, uh, we're getting the changes of the season. Maybe people thinking about taking care of the cottage for the summer. Uh, you got to make sure you got your water taken care of. And when it comes to the city or the cottage, anywhere in Manitoba, water services, we're thinking Culligan and our friends over at Culligan Water. They literally have it all, and they've been doing it for 65 years as a family-owned business here in Manitoba. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Uh, Get all your water needs taken care of in one spot with our friends at Culligan, 1200 Sergeant Avenue. You can visit them. Give them a call at 204-694-5180 or online at drinkculligan.com. All right, Murat Atesh coming up a little later on, but right now let's hook up with our pal from nhl.com. It's been a while. Let's get to it with Mike Zeisberger.
0: What's going on? How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. Uh, It's it's great. We're getting down to the home stretch in the National Hockey League uh, playoff uh, races. So that's kind of cool. And I just want to say I hope everybody, yourself, your family, obviously, uh, you know, the royalty behind the glass, Mr. Remus, I hope he's doing well and his family. hope everybody in Winnipeg is uh, staying healthy. And, uh, you know, let's talk some pucks.
1: Yeah, well, we're getting by. It has been an absolutely brutal winter. And I mean, I think everyone's had sort of a bad winter with everything that's been going on with the, you know, with the country and the virus. And I mean, we have just oh, had Are describing a... my last
0: two years? What have you been doing? Yeah. <laughs> what have you
1: been doing? <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, it was the fact that we were like minus 30 for two months that I think kind of piled on. Oh, and about 10 feet of snow, too. But well, it's here's getting here's the nicer. other
0: thing, Hustler. Really, really, really quick, Hustler. This is how we know the world is upside down, okay? Do you remember the days when there were no trades in the National Hockey League, or sorry, in the National Football League, and there were blockbusters all the time in the National Hockey League? <laughs> and then all of a sudden in the last week, yeah, the NHL has, you know it, it, it's had some significant deals, I wouldn't say overwhelming ones. And yet, you know, just uh, a few minutes before uh, we started taping this, uh, the Miami Dolphins just traded five draft picks uh, to get Tyree Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. So you've had Russell Wilson traded. You've had Devonte Adams traded. Now you've got Tyree Kill traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. I mean, I was trying to go over uh, in my head uh, and what little is in there. Uh, what the equivalent of a, a hockey trade would that be like i mean are we talking like Nathan McKinnon traded Marner Connor McDavid Shifley? i mean when you compare to what you know when you compare the two in what's gone on the past week um you know i know we're both puckheads and we we that's the sport that we love but you got to tip your cap to the national football league because the uh, Man, they've stayed relevant on the trade front in the last few days. Oh, yeah. I was all in on all
1: this, you know, these big NFL trades until it happened to my team today. I'm not sure whether you're specifically trying to trigger me or get me completely bent right at the beginning of this interview. But, yes, to wake no, up to I this can stunning connect, news. I can
0: certainly, I can <laughs> certainly connect the dot pusher. I would not do that to you. And I, my my conclusion is, you know, uh, from my grade three education... Think you would be a Chiefs fan, and in that case, if I am accurate on that, my condolences.
1: You are very much accurate on that, and uh, yeah, it has been quite the morning. Stunning news, to be perfectly honest, and um, I mean, just par for the course for this uh, bizarre NFL offseason. And uh, you know, you do make a great point. I mean, that the equivalent of that, I think you sort of named that. I mean, it's sort of Marner. I mean, if if Austin Matthews is the Patrick Mahomes of the Maple Leafs. I think Ty yeah. Tyreek Hill would be Mitch Marner. And, um, you know, for, that to, for it to happen as quickly as it did for a return that, while it's a ton of picks and Brett Feach has done a great job of drafting, um, I mean, that AFC West now, um, uh, I still think the Chiefs would have been the favorites going in, but it would have been close with what the other teams had done. Um, now, who knows? I'll be fascinated to see what the Vegas odds are coming up when, uh, well, uh, when things actually get settled out. out
0: you know, and I say this about hockey too, if you're a team that's on the cusp, like the Chiefs are every year, and some of, you know, uh, you know, if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning, or what we saw the the, the, the Florida Panthers do, because they both feel they're on a the cusp of a cup, or in the case of the, the Lightning, another cup, um, you know, draft picks can't score goals for you this year, and draft picks can't catch passes from Patrick Mahomes who I feel is the best quarterback in in on the planet in football. So um, I guess it's a situation that you're in, um, and that's why I think that uh, you know when you look at what the again what the with the Florida Panthers did and bringing in Giroux and uh, you know bringing in Chirac from Montreal. Uh, you know you look at what the what what the lightning did? Uh, they almost rebuilt their third line to get a twenty three year old uh, goal scorer like they did from Chicago, and then Nick Paul, who uh, you know grinds against the boards the way that he does and creates open spaces. You know these are teams that are are saying you know the future is now, and you know they're putting where the, their money where their mouths are. So you know uh, when you when you equate the two. Drop picks are all fine and good. But again, drop picks don't score goals for you now. And drop picks don't catch touchdown passes for you now.
1: No, no, it's a great point. Well, let's bring this back to the National Hockey League. And I may as well first ask you about the Jets because the Jets were sort of, I think Mike McIntyre referred to it as sucking and blowing at the same time. I mean, <laughs> they realize where they're at right now outside of the playoff line and still with a low percentage chance to make the playoffs, although... Certainly got a big two points last night behind a brilliant performance by Connor Hellebuck. Um, But I think they realized the writing was on the wall, that Andrew Kopp was walking out the door. He's been a very valuable player with, you know, a significant value. They traded him for two second rounders, one which could turn into a first round pick if the Rangers win a couple rounds and a prospect. But then at the same time, traded a fourth rounder to get Mason Appleton back and a fifth rounder to get Zach Sanford, who's a pending UFA from Ottawa, to sort of lessen the blow, um what do you make of where the jets are right now and the moves that Kevin Cheveldayoff made on Monday?
0: Well, you know, at first I, I wasn't sure. I mean, you know, I, I can't be as eloquent as Mr. Uh, McIntyre was, but uh, you know at first, you kind of think if they're treading water, but you know chevy got uh, Chevy got a good return uh, for caught for 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 somebody that uh, you know, uh, from all accounts, from people I talked to in Winnipeg, I mean, he wasn't going to be back. So, um, you know, at the same time, he's kept the team competitive and he's kept the interest in, um, I remember I covered Sanford when he was, uh, uh, with the St. Louis blues and their run to the Stanley cup. I covered the blues for the last three rounds. Uh, I believe it was in 2019, although after everything that we've all been through, I think it, it feels like it was 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, he, he I, I like the grit that he brings. And I, I, I was an Appleton fan, uh, you know, during his first stint with the Jets. I liked the addition of that. And, you know, it, 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 it makes the Jets still relevant. Um, you know, I know, I know you said the percentage doesn't look that good, but, you know, The the whole saying, you're saying there's still a chance. And the fact that, uh, you know, some of these teams, and and specifically, if if you're talking about a shot at a wild card, um, you know, the the, the way that the Vegas Golden Knights are trending, um, the door is a little bit open there. And if if the Jets can get on some kind of a run, um, then I think some people will look at Chevy's moves and say, yeah, you know what, he did keep us relevant, and now we got a shot.
1: Yeah, well, the thing that killed the Jets last night was the Oilers collapsing in the third period and blowing that lead with less than five minutes left and losing to the Dallas Stars because, I mean, the biggest thing for the Winnipeg is they got to get into fifth place in the division, and, I mean, you're not catching the Avalanche, the Blues, the Wild, or the Predators in all likelihood with where they're at right now, so it's incumbent to catch Dallas and then, you know, still make up that ground. We'll get to Vegas in a second, but... um. You know, as far as the deals that were made, um, I mean, you're closest to the Leafs right now, and I'm sure you're mostly concerned with when your new Justin Bieber Leafs jersey is going to show up, Zeiss. Huh. But uh, what uh, what do you make of their goaltending situation right now, post deadline, and how much can Mark Giordano help the buds?
0: Well, first of all, first of all, uh, I have no comment on on the Justin Bieber jerseys, um. I actually don't mind the black ones with the, with the blue trim, uh, but then you turn them inside out and that yellow thing. I mean, it's, you know, I've never understood, you know, you know, Husser, if you look at European soccer and specifically the premier league, I've never understood how a team can have certain colors that they're associated with at home. And they'll wear them on the road, depending on what the, uh, the, the, what the other team is wearing, that it doesn't clash. But, they might have road jerseys that are completely different colors uh, from their home jerseys. Like what uh, is, uh, what are the official colors of a team, a Crayola box? Like I, I have no idea, (laughs) but uh, you know uh, the, the the black and yellow thing that, uh, you know, I, I'm not digging that. And I think Morgan Riley said it, uh, you know, he was asked about it. And and he's one of the guys that, uh, you know, has hung around with Justin Bieber in the past, but he said, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I kind of uh, prefer the blue and white, and I guess that would be my uh, my thinking as well. But, you know, from what I've told and what the marketing people say, the kids love it. So, you know, and of course, we all know, Husser, that in a small market like Toronto, um, they have to get all the revenue they can get, including uh, third jerseys and fourth jerseys and fifth jerseys. Et cetera, et cetera, et
1: cetera. Yeah. Well, between the St. Patrick's Day and the Winter Classic, I think they've had about five jerseys in the past two and a half weeks. But uh, yeah, but those uh,
0: ones, uh, I'll I'll interject and by saying at least those ones were ones that were established in the past. You know, uh, whether it be a hundred years, of a century, but but those those have some meaning to the cultural fabric of the history of the franchise where. These are ones that uh, uh, Justin Bieber designed. Um, and I guess maybe he did that after his line of bits came out. Or Bebits. Tim, Tim Beads, sorry. Just
1: wait. In 100 years, when we're long gone, they'll be having a, a 100th anniversary of the Bieber <laughs> jersey there at whatever the arena is in downtown Toronto. Uh, anyways, I, I the, will would be the, sad
0: to miss that.
1: <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, that being said, I mean, the East overall... And listen, yeah. credit to the Leafs. They've had a great season. I mean, they're in the top 10. I mean, I think top six right now overall in the league. And yet it's in all likelihood they're going to be on the road and an underdog in the first round of the playoffs. Um, uh, like, uh, you know, you look at what Tampa did. You look at what Florida did, Florida did. And you think about the pressure on Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan to get this right and to make things happen. Have they done enough? I mean, how do you see that division right now post-trade deadline as we get closer to uh, the postseason
0: well first of all i'm a big tampa uh, you know backer and yeah i mean that's that's you know hardly going out on a limb when you say that about the two-time stanley cup champions but you know they it one year without pretty much without stamkos they wanted another year for pretty much without kucherov although he did return for the playoffs uh, much to the chagrin of the rest of the league. So when they say, you know, Tampa's worn out, you know, after uh, after two playoff runs, well, you know what I mean? A couple of their key players have not gone through that full path. So I'm, I'm still big on Tampa, although Florida has done a hell of a job. But uh, if you look at the standings right now, you know, we all assume all oh, the Leafs are going to start on the road. The Lightning are only two points ahead of the Leafs and the Boston Bruins right now. So do I expect Tampa to, you know, get out of this little funk and and get the ship steered in the right direction? Yeah, I do. But, you know, there's no guarantee um, the way things are going right now uh, that one of those other two teams won't leapfrog them. Now, in the case of the Leafs, I'm not sure – whether they have home ice or not is gonna matter because they had home ice against the Montreal Canadiens team that shocked the world last year. Uh first uh you know, obviously first Toronto and then Winnipeg and then, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights. But I don't know. I mean it 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 I just think that it's time for this core to take that next step, and no matter what it, you know, no matter what the pundits said, look at look we're not that far away. People forget that, you know. Yeah, Tampa won has won two consecutive cups. The year before that, they got upset by Columbus. So I don't mean to be cliche. Anything can happen. And obviously, the league's top end talent um, is there. And adding Mark Mark Giordano, um, there's no there's no question about talent. But you have to do it when it counts. And this this core has yet to do it in the postseason. I've said it before in this show, and I'll say it again right now. Um, The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series, there was no salary cap in the National Hockey League, and we were still using the centre-ice red line to call two-line offside passes. That's how long (laughs) it's been, 2004. So... It's great to sit here and debate, uh, you know, are have they done enough, um, what everybody else has done. But the fact remains, um, this is on the Leafs. It has nothing to do with any of the other teams. I thought bringing Giordano in was a good deal. Um, Kyle Dubas and the organization didn't want to give up a first-round pick, and they didn't. Um, and now where they, they put themselves, I mean – uh, I think you know uh, when you look at their defense, and you've got a top four uh, when healthy of Riley, Giordano, Brody, um, and Muzzin. Uh, I don't. I, I think that's not too bad. Um, and we all know how good the forwards are. Um, it's all going to be up to when Jack Campbell gets healthy again. Um, if he can straighten the ship, because you know it, it, it's funny because the same people. That overreacted at the beginning of the season when Jack Campbell was playing lights out, and we're saying, "Well, can will the Leafs be able to afford him with a new contract?" And remember, this is a guy that was voted uh, into the All-Star game. Um, All of a sudden, has lost his way, and they want to get rid of him. And I understand that, but I think that you know we have seen what the ceiling is for Jack Campbell. And and when he's on top of his game, um, he can win a playoff series. Now he hasn't, he's got to prove like the rest of them that, that he can, but he has the talent too. And so I think the last seven weeks of the season, the Leafs focus has to be, you know, once he gets back from this rib injury, because we all know Jack's an emotional guy um, to get his confidence back. And I think, more than any of the other additions that the Lightning or the Panthers or any other teams have made, that is going to be the biggest key for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Number one, or keys, uh, plural. Number one, getting Jack Campbell's confidence back to where he we, we all have seen he can play. And number two, the core, um, Matthews, Marner, Riley, Nylander, that they answer the bell and give this franchise its first playoff, uh, you know, series victory in 18 years, no matter who they play.
1: Well, the funny thing is, Zeiss, and I mean, I'll say this. I mean, those are all good players. And, you know, we've seen, you know, them disappear at times in the postseason, certainly last year against Montreal. But um, even if Campbell comes back and plays well, I'm still not sure they're good enough to beat Tampa Bay. Never mind the Panthers. Let me ask you about Florida in that, you no, know, they add Ben Chirot, they make an aggressive move and get Claude Giroux. Um, you know, they're sitting on the top of that division with a pretty comfortable six-point lead right now. Um, are they the team to beat? And, uh, you know, just your thoughts on the aggressive nature of what Zito did at the deadline, loading up for a long playoff run in South Florida, not in, uh, not in the Gulf Coast.
0: Well, first of all, uh, I, I'm, you know, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, and Victor Hedman. I will not bet against them until they show me that until a team shows me in the postseason that they can beat them. Um, so I'm still going with Tampa. I mean, regular season is regular season. You know, this isn't John Cooper's first rodeo. He knows, even if they don't get home ice advantage, he knows what he has at his disposal. Um, I really like the additions that we made, he made. Nick Paul is the type of sandpipe paper type player uh, that is, for, you know, Barkley Gurdrill comes to mind, you know, a couple of the, the late pickups in, in the past couple of years. Uh, Corey Perry, don't forget that he's around too. Pat Maroon, this is going to be a hard team to play against. Now, I would argue that last year in the playoffs, the hardest series that the Tampa Bay lightning had was the first round series against Florida. And now Florida is up the end. I loved what they did. Uh, kudos to Bill Zito, because, you know, uh, we kind of forget too. This is a team that got off to such an amazing start. And then they had the resignation of Joel Quenville and they had all that soap opera going on around them. And somehow they've been maintain their focus. I mean, um, hopefully, and you know, Uh, I don't think you have to be a fan of any team, but, you know, people should be a fan of Aaron Ekblad. He was having a career year and looking worthy of being the number one overall pick, uh, you know, a few years ago. Um, He's out. Hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs, but I love it. Like bringing in Giroux, bringing in Chirot, who's going to, you know, um, should they down the line play play Tampa, he's going to be the type of guy that's going to be in Corey Perry's face. Uh, you know, giving it back to them. Those guys were teammates with Montreal last year. Uh, And just, you know, you you look at, they bring in Sam Bennett, and and we all know the difficulties that Sam Bennett had in Calgary. I mean, Sam Bennett has reinvented himself. Sam Reinhardt has reinvented himself there. Um, We all know how Barkov, how good Barkoff is. And you know what, Husser, I mean, Is there a more, and and I'm going to say this underappreciated superstar than Jonathan Huberto. I mean, he never comes up in, in, in everyday talk about, Oh, did you see that goal that so-and-so scored or something? This guy is the biggest, best player that nobody talks about in the national hockey league. So I think Florida has geared up, um, Not only to to take a run at the Stanley Cup, but I think that they, in their minds, if they're going to get where they want to, they're going to have to go through Tampa uh, at some point. It was a very rough series last year. And so they've added grit. They've added skill. And I think, I mean, I don't know how it's going to play out. And, And think about 15 years ago, if you ever would have said that, or when the two teams were expansion teams, they first came in, but. If Florida and Tampa play in these playoffs at some point, I think that's going to be much, much CTV. And, uh, you know, we always think of, of Florida as a football or a baseball uh, state, but if that happens, it'll, it'll sure as heck be a hockey state.
1: Well, you're nailing it, Zeiss. I mean, Huberto is, um, you know, one of the anonymous superstars, and part of it is playing yeah. in South Florida in a market that, you know, even as a first-place team, people sort of – you know, don't know a lot about. I mean, the guy's third in scoring. He's seven points back at McDavid for the lead. And speaking yep. of kind of, you know, quiet superstars, um, how much are people around in the center of the universe talking about Kyle Connor and the season he's having right now? He's one goal short of forty. He's got seventy nine points on the season tied with the golden child Austin Matthews at seventy nine points.
0: Uh he gets he gets he gets some love uh, um you know, and uh, I don't know. You you mentioned uh, you know the the gold or the center of the hockey universe. So I don't know how they're feeling about it in Edmonton. So I can't really chip in on that. But uh, uh, no, look, look. If you, anybody that's in a hockey pool and doesn't understand how Kyle Connor, how good Kyle Connor is, please invite me into your pool so I can snap him <laughs> up. Uh, i I I think I think people have grown. To see just how skilled this kid is, and 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 it's you know it, it comes naturally. I, I remember uh, when he, when when he got drafted, and thinking, man, you know somebody's going to get a natural goal scorer. I mean, you can, you know, I I think sometimes when we look at prospects, you know, uh, we're getting to the point uh, whether it's combines in the NFL or NHL, like how. How many pull ups can he do? Um, you know, uh, what's his time skating around uh, around the cones on the ice? Look at some guys were just blessed with the ability to score. And the best of those that I ever saw was Mike Bossy, who scored 50 goals every, every year of his career. He wasn't the fastest, his shot wasn't the hardest, and he scored. Um, I think Kyle Connor has. A lot of, you know, uh, hard shot speed, but I think more than anything, he's just a natural goal scorer. And I I, I think that, uh, you know, um, he's another guy that I think is slowly getting more traction um, among hockey fans outside of, of his market, whether it be Winnipeg for him or Huberto in Florida. And he should, because he's a hell of a player and he should be considered as an elite player.
1: Zeiss, great having you on the program. Last one before we break, and let's take it over to the West because the Colorado Avalanche are the clear cut Stanley Cup favorite. And a big part of that is just how many of the other top teams are in the East. But the Calgary Flames have emerged as the class of the Pacific Division. Daryl Sutter has done an absolutely incredible job turning around one of the most disappointing teams in the NHL last year to a first place club this season. What do you think about Calgary and can they push the avalanche and potentially beat them come playoff time?
0: Yeah, I think they can. I, I love what Calgary has done. Uh, you know, bringing in into I thought they needed a little bit of a little bit more punch on it from a scoring standpoint. And they got it when they brought to Foley in. Um, you know, I thought Yarn Kroc was a good uh, addition too, but you're right. Daryl Sutter has done a hell of a job and, when they hired him, I was kind of scratching my head going like, you know, you're bringing in a retread. Well, this is one retread that, that you know, whatever he's selling, they're buying. And what I thought, I, I knew they were going to be a tougher team to play against, which they have been. But you thought, you know, last year, Johnny Goodrow didn't have that good of a year offensively, and neither did Kachuk. So you thought, well, I, a full year under Daryl, he's just going to suffocate them. And instead they're having great offensive year. So kudos to Darrell because he's got them playing defense. His offensive stars are having career years. And one of the reasons that I like the flames is because, you know, they, they can play any way you want. Um, first of all, Markstrom's having a hell of a year in goal. Um, not that he had a bad one last year, but, uh, He's been one of the top goaltenders in the game, and that, that's a big start. But, you know, uh, there's there, there's some grit on this team, too, whether it be Lucic, whether it be Kachuk. So I think they can play any way you want to, and obviously you don't want to get in a run and gun with Colorado, but I think that they're the type of team, and Daryl knows this, it's not his first rodeo, where they can, you know, start frustrating a team like Colorado a bit. And when you start doing that to a really skilled teams, uh, really skilled team um, that presents turnovers and goals on the rush. And I I think that's, uh, that's an area where, uh, you know, Calgary, Calgary to me is legit. And I, I still have the abs going to the Stanley cup final, but it would not surprise me in the least if uh if, if they end up playing Calgary and Calgary beat them because uh you know kudos to Daryl Sutter a lot of us thought it was done but hey this movie is just going into another sequel
1: no doubt about it Zeiss thanks so much for doing this man always great to catch up we'll have to do it again closer to the playoffs and uh definitely in the postseason appreciate you my friend
0: anytime man maybe we'll get the our video issues uh settled although uh it's probably better for the uh, people at home that their retinas don't get seared by actually seeing me live. But uh, thank you very much for having me. Best of health to you, my friend, uh, and Mr. Remus, and all my friends in Winnipeg. You guys stay safe and have a great day.
1: All right, great stuff with our boy Zeiss. Always fun having Mike Zeisberger on the program. Uh, very, very fun chat. We're going to focus exclusively on the Jets for the most part coming up in just a second. With Marat Atesh, uh, would love to thank our friends over at Manitoba Battery, though, first for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Donnie and the gang powering this city and province through the most miserable winter I can remember. Um, but we're just about on the other end of it. But bottom line is, if you ever need batteries for literally anything, but especially your, uh, your car, Manitoba Battery is the spot to get them. Family-owned, local business. Um, providing the best prices in town about a hundred bucks for most makes and models with core exchange for your, any car truck and they'll deliver it to you citywide for 150 bucks on the same day. If you order it by one thirty PM. PM uh, booster cables, everything else you need to get through the winter, but we're now getting excited for summer. So whether it is for your boat, uh, ATV, Any of the summer toys that you like to run, motorcycles, uh, you know, the summer car, Manitoba Battery's got you covered. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue, 783 8787. If you want to give them a call, and you can find out more online at manitobabattery.com. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's performance last night has given some people maybe a little bit more hope that uh, he might be able to drag this team to get a few more wins and uh, maybe even get ready for the uh, a playoff run. Obviously, still lots to work to do for the Winnipeg Jets before we get there. But uh, when it comes to your Hellebuck jersey or any piece of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, uh, one stop is all you need to do, and that's the Superstore at Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway. Um, They, of course, also have NFL gear. And uh, I'm not looking forward to walking into Royal towards the beginning of the season and seeing blue or green Miami Dolphins jerseys with 10 on them and hill on the back. Uh, Just crazy news today. But uh, when it comes to NFL gear, merchandise, Blue Jays, Blue Bombers, Jets, there's only one spot to go, and that is Royal Sports. In addition, they have the greatest hockey selection in town with experts the players helping get you fitted for uh, the right piece of equipment for you and uh, of course snowboarding with spring break coming up uh, the spot to go for snowboarding gear fitness and so much more if you haven't been there what are you waiting for royal sports is the sports superstore in town and have been a bit of proud sponsor of ours for a long long time thanks so much to the Hasbeaks for their support see him at 750 Pemina Highway and Check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for their latest merchandise drops and sales. And uh, our friends at Not Autocorp have a lot going on right now. I told you they've been the leaders in Tesla sales for years in Winnipeg, and now they've got a new program. For people that want to learn more and potentially get into a Tesla, it is called the Tesla Experience. Check them out online at notautocorp on Twitter or at not.ca and find out more about how you can get in, take home, drive, learn more about the Tesla and the entire program completely free if you end up getting into a Tesla vehicle. And they've got a bunch on the lot. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGillivray and online at not.ca. All right. Carrie Ainerson by the way, we'll do our princess auto curling report after we speak with Marat, because Carrie Ainerson has a, uh, one point lead and the hammer in a big game at the world curling championships against Sweden. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but, uh, let's get back to the jets right now. After a, uh, well, an interesting game last night, to say the least, led by Connor Hellebuck, who put a team on his back to a 4 nothing win. We welcome in our good friend Marat Atesh for the first time post-trade deadline with a lot of Jets news to talk about. Murat, how are you, my friend? What's up? doing well happy to be here happy to be back how are you uh i'm doing well i'm feeling a bit better than i was the last couple days and uh i'll tell you what feeling better after that game last night because um uh, you know it was a stomach churning first period for anyone with skin in the game for the winnipeg jets last night i have to give you credit you did in the most eloquent way possible ask pierre Luc dubois basically i'll paraphrase what the hell was going on in the first period last night um you know, it was, uh, it was confounding. I mean, I think anyone, and I'm sure you guys in the press boxes were saying the same thing. I mean, if you just watched that first period and said one team is without half their team and played last night, you would not have thought it was the Vegas golden Knights, but uh, you know what? Sometimes you need somebody to step up and uh, man, did Connor Hellebuck do that last night? I mean, just thoughts on the
3: game, the start and the performance by the first star. I mean, Connor Hellebuck was the game story. (laughs) I, I, we're out of words for him when he's at his best. I think the issue this year has been, you know, Winnipeg has gotten shesterkin it's gotten vemelka it's gotten demko Winnipeg used the Connor Hallibuck to halibuck their way out of a, of a horrible situation early on in that game yesterday. And you're right. I mean, my question to Pierre-Luc Dubois was a bit of a meal in hindsight, listening to the words I said, but the subtext was clear. That first period was awful. And, Connor Hellebuck kept the Winnipeg Jets in it. What happened? How do you survive that? Hockey's kind of a funny game. And whether I think of that bouncing puck into the slot that Shea Theodore just swung at like a baseball line drive, whether it was Hellebuck going post to post to stop William Carrier's one-timer on a seam pass, I mean, the guy was locked in. Jack Eichel left all alone in the slot, fires into Hellebuck's glove early on in that first period as well. I don't think a team can get outshot that poorly um, by a team that is that exhausted and feel proud of the way that it felt in the first period or the way that it played, pardon me. Connor Hellebuck gave Winnipeg a wing, a prayer, whatever you want to say about it, kept them in the game for long enough that all of a sudden a little bit of counter-strike offense was just enough to get the job done. And what a win. If you can do that, all of this bad odds talk goes out the window in an awful hurry if you just can't beat the guy.
1: Yeah, well, we said the same thing. Hey, you know, this guy doesn't give up another goal for the rest of the 18 games of the season. This team is going to be dangerous. <laughs> you know I
3: mean, obviously,
1: I mean, I you know, tongue in cheek when I say that. But, I mean, he really did look like he was incredibly dialed in. And, and, Murat, we've seen this before when Connor Hellebeck, and it was interesting. I mean, the one thing that he has never been short on is confidence. I mean, he has a belief in himself that is almost unparalleled amongst any athlete I've been around and heard of a long time. And goalies are unique, special individuals, and he certainly fits the bill. Um, But it was interesting to hear him after the game, speak with the sort of confidence and the pride that he had in his game, in that shutout. We saw the fun fishing celebration afterwards that he pulls out after the the first star, nice little plug for the bobblehead night coming up on the the 6th (laughs) of April but it was interesting you know in the helmet presentation afterwards um you know he gets the helmet from uh, from jansen harkins and he basically said hey guys you know whatever about winning we need to keep doing it and then let's go make playoffs i mean he i don't know how much belief there is amongst every player there is in that dressing room but i'll tell you what there obviously is in number 37 and On a night like last night, that's almost all you need, although um, to continue to win, they're going to need a lot more from the rest of the rank and file of the Winnipeg
3: Jets. Well, Connor Hellebuck has this way of believing the praise, believing the positive, believing the good, and letting everything else kind of bounce off of him. And I think that that's trained. We've talked about him and the sort of work that he's done over the various years. I mean, he believes in mastery, and he believes in himself in terms of um, in terms of that greatness that you just described, that self-confidence. And I think it's, you know, us normal people, right? You get three compliments, three insults, or what have you, on the social media that day, what do you remember? I think with Connor Hellebuck, he genuinely only remembers the, the good stuff, or he, at least he's trained himself to remember the things that make him feel confident. And early on in that game, too, I think of that Jack Eichel chance where he was sort of all alone. It was a bad giveaway on the Jets' exit. We've seen that a few times and now is Jack Eichel one of the world's most dangerous shooters, he kind of fires into Connor Hellebuck's glove. And I think that the size and importance of that save, probably based on how easy and smooth it was for Hellebuck, despite how dangerous Eichel is, Probably a big boost to his confidence early on. And after the game, he's talking about he felt early. It was things were hitting him. He was getting the bounces. He wasn't getting hurt by luck in any way. I think that there's a lot that goes into that. And a Conor Hellebuck who believes in himself and who gets just enough good bounces, big saves like that to sort of remember that fire is the Conor Hellebuck who can... I mean. A couple years ago, he held up a much worse team and dragged it into the playoffs, or at least the qualification round. This is a little bit better team than that, and he has the power to, to be a major, major change in the Jets' fortunes, whether, the other, whether all four lines play well or not, whether he gets the defense, which he hasn't been or not.
1: Um, all that being said, and I mean, we've got all the bouquets for, for Hellebuck, and they're all deserved. Um, how does a team playing for their lives in a situation like they are, come out against the Vegas Golden Knights with that brutal of a first 15 minutes of a hockey game?
3: Well, I have two theories, and I'm not sure what the truth is on either regard. One, maybe a sense of overconfidence that the injured back-to-back Golden Knights were going to eventually fade, and perhaps that's what we saw. Vegas slowly, by the third period, seemed to be tired, but they carried the flow of the play for the majority of that game. And so maybe there's a sense of knowledge that turns into a sense of overconfidence. I don't think if you're the Winnipeg Jets and the record that you have this season and the stakes of every game that you played, that you really have the right for that. But of course, I don't know what was inside their heads. The other thing is that quite simply, this is a disorganized Winnipeg Jets hockey team. And I think that that's an easier conclusion to come to because we've seen it so often. Connor Hellebuck has to face quality, dangerous chances through seams into the middle of the ice more often than he should. And I think that perhaps, despite his ability to steal a game, and despite Winnipeg's scorer's ability to take over if you give them enough opportunities, I, I think that the real story, I think, is the underwhelming defense that gets played. It's not just net front coverage. It's not just size or box outs. It's what happens when Winnipeg gets the puck on their stick. Vegas is... Injured, young players playing way up in the lineup with guys like Mark Stone out. I mean, you have players not thought of as top six, putting pressure on Winnipeg as they try to break out. That seems to be too much for the Jets organizational system. And all of a sudden, the puck's going back Winnipeg's uh, at Winnipeg's net. There are so many things that go into protecting the puck that I think are a sense of organization, of planning, of mental sharpness. Uh, you could call it coaching as well, uh, that just don't look good. And yet they win for nothing, and you know it's it's hockey is just such a strange, funny, addicting game. Sometimes, <laughs> no doubt. And and hey, I mean
1: Dave Lowry after the game, I mean he uh, was pretty clear, didn't like the way they started. Um, but you know, with the amount of games that they have going forward, I think they will take the win. They like, they certainly will take the win and take the two points, and hopefully avoid that going forward. Um, but I couldn't help but think in the first period, just watching the Jets run around in their own end about what Craig Button had said earlier this week. And he locked at a pretty good scud at, you know, the coaching staff. And I'm not sure whether this was more going back to Maurice with things having not really changed under Dave Lowry or what. But um, it, it does beg the question of just the general organization of the Winnipeg Jets, especially in their own end. And, you know, if they are structured in a way to get the most out of it and to help their goalie out as much as, you know, many other teams do because uh, uh, last night was certainly not a good example of it. If they are doing all the things, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, there's two ways that Winnipeg gets burnt in its own zone more than, more than anything else. But also, you know, I I, I caught Craig Button's... Uh, I was going to say rant after the fact. I think rant's an okay word to use in that situation. Um, Bruce Cassidy as well, coach of the Boston Bruins, talking about Winnipeg being poor at net front defense. Statistically, it's easy to get to the middle of the ice against the Winnipeg Jets as well. You know, I don't think it's a secret that the Winnipeg Jets are struggling defensively. I don't think that that's a secret to anybody who's watched them this year as well, like, like we have. Um, and for me, the things that I see are... Are, are twofold first it's it's their reliance on the man-to-man defense a little bit a little bit early I think that you know on Twitter and all, on what you what you see there's often a lot of criticism all oh, the Jets play this man-to-man zone hybrid that's confusing for everybody you know what a lot of NHL teams play a man-to-man and zone hybrid there are moments when they uh, play a zonal defense there's moments when if they get a step behind or there's certain triggers that they switch to man-to-man coverage and I think that that conceptually is okay. Perhaps Winnipeg's, uh, I guess, triggers, let's say, that shift them from zonal coverage into man-to-man are different, are a little bit more panicked. Maybe there's ways to improve that. But... Um, but once you get into a coverage situation, I think that there's just so many important players on the Jets who lose their coverage, who lose guys over their shoulder, who float through the slot, have somebody, and then a little bit of deception, a little V-cut, a little um, moving in a soft space loses that coverage. I mean, your number one center, Mark Scheifele, I think is a good example of that. When most of Winnipeg's wingers are a good example of that. Kyle Connor. I mean is having a season for the ages. He's not a tremendous defensive player. Nick Ehlers as well. I mean, he has had defensive metrics that were positive in the past. Not a great one as well. Blake Wheeler's pretty good. I mean, we've talked about his defense and how horrible he looks metrics-wise, but these last 10, 15 games, his coverage has been better. But there are people playing major, major roles, your number one center, your franchise that aren't necessarily excelling in this coverage. And I think that that's a pretty big issue, even before you get into the defensemen who are, you know, ostensibly responsible more often for the front of the net. And then the other thing is when the puck gets won, what do you do with it? How do you get the puck out of the zone? What's the next plan of operation? If you've been running around in man-to-man coverage, like Winnipeg often is, well, then guys aren't necessarily in the most ideal spots for that breakout that comes afterwards either. And I think that Winnipeg can sometimes make its own life a little bit more miserable by not making the defensive reads early, by getting stuck in its own zone. And then when they get the puck, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a prayer to get out. The passes last night, that first period, the breakouts were horrible. There were so many mistakes that led to it. So whether it's the coverage, whether it's what happens with the puck, it's just not working in Winnipeg's favorite.
1: Murata attached of The Athletic with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, I do want to get to the deadline and some of the newcomers, but just back to Hellebuck for a minute. Um, you know, with the way that he played last night, um, and you know that we're going to be leaning on him throughout these final 18 games of the season, it creates a very interesting decision for Dave Lowry going into the game tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators. Um, you know, this is a makeup game. It wasn't originally supposed to be a back-to-back, and now it is. You've got Ottawa Thursday. Line A, who's as hot as any score in the league right now, coming in with the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday night, and then the Arizona Coyotes on Sunday. Jets need to win all these games. I think that's pretty clear right now. I mean, it's a good opportunity before they go up against some of the Titans of the league later on in this final stretch. I mean, what do you think about the decision for who plays tomorrow night? I mean, part of me thinks, especially with what Lowry did in the uh, Jersey-New York Islander game uh, in a similar situation, that maybe the right move is Eric Conry going on, th- on Thursday, giving Hellebuck an extra day, and then playing Friday and Saturday night. Although many would say when you've got a guy that's you know in the zone like he was last night, you get him back out there ASAP. I mean, uh, what do you make of Dave Lowry's decision for goaltending tomorrow? And uh, if it was your decision, how are you making it happen?
3: Yeah, I understand. I agree with the idea that it's a little bit tough because how are you going to pull a guy after a shutout? How, like, how how could you possibly pull Connor Hellebuck, the most confident goalie in the world, at least to hear him speak from a game uh, from the next opportunity following a game as good as he just had? But then I understand as well the idea that Columbus is a dangerous offensive team. Patrick Line is going off, and we in Winnipeg know well what it looks like when that happens. Um, so I, I understand the theory of that. I also think that Ottawa's maybe a little bit underrated in terms of the offense that they bring. No, they're not winning a lot of games, but Tim Stutzel is a pretty dangerous player. Josh Norris is scoring. Kachuk is good as well. I mean, there there are reasons to think that the Ottawa Senators can score goals, especially on the power play. Um, So I understand the logic. I think that you run with Connor Hallibuck following the shutout because I don't know a way around it. At the same time, I don't think you give him the back-to-back in full because there's just so much evidence that A goalie on the second night of a back-to-back generally does worse. And maybe you can find a guy riding a, a hot streak or a guy that's incredibly confident or what have you. But what is the point of having Eric Comrie playing so strongly as he has this season if you're not going to use him in certain situations? And, you know, guessing which one of Ottawa or Columbus is going to be more dangerous, I think is tough to do with certainty. Winnipeg's defense needs to take care of its own business one way or another. So I guess what I'm saying is Eileen Hellebuck, then Comrie, and I would understand arguments for the other way around, but I just think that you gotta go back to him after that shutout.
1: Yeah, you know, you know I, I don't know. I still, I think I'm on the other side of that. I think, in, in, and I know traditionally, and the bottom line is they gotta win all these games. So, I mean, I think the Jets are going to be a motivated team that come in trying to maybe escape the stench of that first period and Tuesday night and be a much better team right out the gate. And they played well in front of Eric Comrie as well. Um, You know, wh- what combination of those two goaltenders gives you the best chance to win both of the games? And, you know, from Hellebuck's standpoint, does giving him the extra day of rest, does that diminish the, the feeling that he's got, you know, you know Coming out of last night's game, I'm really not too sure about that. You know, we've always seen before. Certainly under Paul Maurice, the starter gets that first game, and then you put the backup in. And you know, I don't want to call it those scheduled losses, but you don't believe you have maybe as good a chance to win with the situation the Jets are in. I have to admit, if I'm Dave Lowry, as long as Hellebuck is is okay with it, knowing that he's going to be going on Friday and he's going to be going on Sunday. I think I might actually go with Comrie, as crazy as that might sound to some people on Thursday night, and then get Hellebuck in for the big matchup against one of the most lethal snipers in the league, feeling good, and then hopefully rolling
3: that through into another win on Sunday night against AZ. I mean, I understand the logic. I got to say, like I I hear that, and especially the idea that you're really weighing what's going to you know, give you the best chance of two wins or what have you. My guess is Dave Lowry plays the best lineup in front of me, get the points in the bank, worry about tomorrow later sort of strategy, which I'm, again, guessing that Hellebuck gets that start. Um, Because I guess if I'm Winnipeg, and maybe this is why I, I think Hellebuck first, is I don't have, personally as a writer, I don't have the swagger about the Winnipeg Jets that assumes anything. So I think that that Ottawa game isn't necessarily a gimme Uh, in the way and certainly Eric Comrie is a good goalie so I shouldn't speak about it as if uh, you know a gimme necessitates the backup but I don't have that swagger about the Winnipeg Jets saying that they're absolutely going to roll this or that team and the other one's going to be more challenging
1: Greg Hasbeek has said, "I cannot believe that Dave Lowry does not check with Murat or Andrew before making the decision who to start on Thursday." Don't worry, I he's I've got the text in. I'm just working on. It's a very important decision. I want to make sure that I'm fully on board before I send it back to him with the uh, with the suggestions of who should be the starter tomorrow. Um let's get to uh, the look at this team right now marat post uh, post monday um well first of all i mean what do you think I mean, we sort of what we expected to see i mean i think we were all in agreement that in all likelihood andrew kopp was going to be leaving um and you know you've got a great piece on the athletic kind of breaking down each trade we can sort of get to that and you know the return and the way the team looks like right now but um what did you think about the fact that cop did leave but then Mason Appleton is back, as well as Zach Sanford, for a relatively low price, fifth round pick, no commitment beyond this season, to try to um, maybe nullify the loss or or, or limit the damage of losing such an important player like Cobb.
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of have cake eat it too attempt from Kevin Chevaldeoff getting assets back for Andrew Cobb, who is a good player who was going to command a nice return, and he got one, which is a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets, and then not punting the season either. Mason Appleton's a player who didn't immediately fit in in Seattle. I mean, he started the season essentially on their fourth line before progressing up to as recently as this last month, the second line with Yanni Gord. He was scoring, I think it was four points in eight games so far this month. I mean, he took a while to get going and really become a fit in that market But I think Winnipeg was poking around. Well, I mean, we know this now. I mean, Kevin Sheveldayoff said as much that they expressed interest in Mason Appleton. And I think that that was a reunion that was almost inevitable. He was a guy that stepped onto Winnipeg's third line last year, embraced the role, got it done, is a right-handed shot, has the speed, has the youth, has the affordable cap-friendly contract at 900 k as well. And he's probably not getting an enormous raise from that this summer as a restricted free agent. So that's a nice, astute add. I mean, I've come on here and I've talked about the Jets need to find more of these guys. Evgeny Svechnikov, what a steal, what a cap-efficient contract that is that helps you pay the top-end guys as much as Winnipeg does. And that helps a team win. I think Mason Appleton's another example of that. Sanford is a little bit wishful in my mind. And I think he was a good fit on that third line. But the idea that you absolutely need somebody there to make this playoff stretch uh, what it is, I think is... I think that's more symbolic. Hey, guys, we're still in this. Then he moves the needle so much more than a Jansen Harkins or whomever else you might leave in that spot would do. Say so even if Evgeny Spechnikov himself, if Mason Appleton's on the right wing to to Adam Lowry once everybody's healthy. Um, so I think that it's Winnipeg's investment in the present moment. Uh, a fifth round pick isn't an enormous loss by any stretch in terms of what they gave up to get him. That line looked pretty good last night. I liked what it brought uh and again it's just a little bit of kevin shovel day off trying to feed three different mouths at once i would say the immediate present uh the the near future and the long distance was the trade deadline story for me now murat as far as the cop deal goes um i didn't think that there'd be a
1: first round pick out there so the fact that he was able to get two seconds with the potential of one turning into a first rounder and a prospect um you know i got to give credit where credit is due i mean i think that that you know, playing the market, especially considering some of the other teams that we had thought were in on COP, had already essentially spent so much draft capital in acquiring other players. I was wondering whether you know what the market was for COP, how many you know people left standing there were. Um, how did you uh, kind of evaluate what Kevin Chevaldeoff was able to uh, to bring back
3: specifically in the COP transaction? For me, Andrew COP. I looked at comparables for past seasons to try to get a sense of what he would be worth. And the two players with the most similar uh, offensive profiles, by which I mean the points rate that they scored out in the couple of seasons right before their trade at a deadline with similar roles on their teams, although they were wingers and Kopp can play center and has a little bit more defensive impact. The two guys who that I saw as closest to him were Gustav Nyquist and Matt Zuccarello, who, who were both traded, I believe, in the 2020 deadline for a second and a third in each case or perhaps one was a second and a fourth with the conditions where the second round pick could become a first depending on what happens so the idea of a first was always ambitious i always thought that okay if they got one that would be a a clear win the idea that winnipeg has two seconds plus a prospect one of the seconds can become a first if the right things happen if new york goes to the conference finals I mean, I think that's a pretty good haul in and of itself, regardless of what, uh, what Barron becomes. And for me, Morgan Barron's an interesting player as well, because everybody I talk to out in New York is saying, well, this guy on Hartford, the Wolfpack in the AHL, he's a do-everything do guy. He's a guy that is a dominant player at that level. And as a matter of fact, he's looked pretty good for New York, though he hasn't been able to really convince Gerard Gallant that he should get playing time. So if you have two second round picks minimum, a possibility, albeit a low one, that one of them becomes a first, and a player who's a reasonably good bet, not to come in and star in the future, but to come in and play a responsible, effective game, whether it's on your third or fourth line. I honestly think that for a pending UFA in Andrew Kopp, who the whole world knew was not a good bet to sign in Winnipeg this summer, I think that that particular trade, good return for Winnipeg.
1: Um, the other trade that I think caught some people off guard, um, well, maybe the middle of the night trade of Nate Beaulieu for um, a conditional seventh to Pittsburgh was interesting. And Hey, you know what? Good for Nate. I mean, I think they're doing him well, gets to go to a team like Pittsburgh. I don't think there's a future for him here. We'll see what happens, whether he gets back onto the ice at all, even this season, but was the trade with Arizona now we didn't have a lot of information that Nathan Smith was not planning on signing in Winnipeg, but it was pretty clear after hearing Kevin Shevelday speak that they found that out recently. And, you know, once you know that, you know, you deal with the cards as they're played and you make something happen, but it was the inclusion of the Brian little contract, which I think was a surprise to many people. Um, what did you think about that transaction overall? and, and From your perspective, what will that do for the team, not this season, but in the next couple of years when that still would have been on the books prior to the
3: deal? Yeah, I mean, I always thought that Brian Little would retire as a Winnipeg Jet, that you know, when this contract runs out, even though he's not expected to play, even though the medical situation has been bad, um, I thought that the day that it was over maybe hey who knows maybe he'll sign a one-day contract i don't know if that's possibly in the cards in the future but oh to me, i would
1: say that has to be the case right i mean i, I would i would be yeah. very
3: disappointed if that doesn't happen to be perfectly honest i mean a day one winnipeg jet first hat trick i mean conscience of the room uh, such a good guy to deal with willing to waive his no trade to go to arizona at this moment to sort of do his team a solid uh, i i think that there's I I mean, the list could be so much longer than that, but I think the amount of respect that Brian Little carries in Winnipeg is fully earned, fully deserved, and if he retires as a Winnipeg Jet in the future, I think that that would, I agree with you. That's exactly right. Um, In terms of the deal, Nathan Smith, an unfortunate necessity to include, and again, Cheval Dayoff working from a place of being kind of painted into a corner uh, over the weekend by being informed Smith was unlikely to sign, Uh, so that's a little bit of an enticement for Arizona to make the deal. Like you say, though, the biggest impact by far is the cap flexibility that Winnipeg will have next year and the season after. Not because his contract's so expensive or what have you, and certainly it's not small either, but because Winnipeg will be able to use both of those seasons, be in both of those seasons without using long-term injured reserve, without using LTI. And just to be clear, a team that's using LTIR like Winnipeg has over the last couple of seasons with Little, every single day, they're either under the cap or they're not. If they're not, well, then they get punished. If they're under the cap, great. Um, There's no banking the cap space you don't use. You're either cap compliant or that's it. Tomorrow, maybe you call up a guy, send another guy down. As long as you're cap compliant, great. But you don't build up a single penny of cap space throughout the year. You uh, You could have, sorry, pardon me, like 5 million of unused LTI space. That doesn't do you any good tomorrow. It goes away. So with Brian Little not on the roster, with the Jets, On track, if everybody stays healthy, not to be in long-term injured reserve, Winnipeg can build up cap space throughout the year. You know, every million that it's under the cap over the course of the season is roughly three-point-something, if I recall correctly, by the deadline that they can add because cap space prorates. That's a big deal. That's how you fit Paul Stastny at the 2018 deadline. That's how you fit Kevin Hayes at the 2019 deadline. You stay under the cap a little bit, that builds up, and then you have the ability to add. So the important thing is that Winnipeg sent a message in addition to just giving itself flexibility that they're in it to win it in the next couple of seasons. And they have a lot of work to do to get to that quality of team, but they'll be able to make additions at the deadline in years future that they weren't able to make this year or the year before. No, it's a great, great point. Murat with us uh, from uh, The Athletic. Make sure to check out his
1: article on the Jets' moves at the trade deadline at theathletic.com. Just away from the Jets for a minute, what did you think of the deadline overall? What uh, Was there any teams or moves that sort of stood out to you that really caught your eye or that you thought were really positive or maybe going, to what the heck are these guys doing?
3: Well, I think for me, I, I look to the contenders a lot of the time and see what they're doing. Colorado was a team that I thought would be in on cop. I thought that that was a, a good fit. And as recently as the weekend before New York's package of futures, I thought that that was going to be a place where COP ended up. And when you see Colorado making moves to add Lekkonen, when you see moves like that and them filling up their cap space, they added Andrew Cogliano as well. It's kind of like this team is already incredibly good. Great. They're going to get even more effective, even though they paid a big price to, to Montreal for the rights. Florida getting Giroux. I mean, that was already as deep of a team as you can get. I mean, we talk about Winnipeg's forward group as a vaunted, incredibly deep offense doesn't hold a candle to what Florida can do, especially with Giroux on that that group now. Barakov being such a such a complete player as he is, Huberto being um, almost Shifley-esque in the fact that he's offensively incredible and defensively not so much. They have so many different weapons in Florida that that addition, I think, is just going to be exciting to see. Um, and I think in the case of Claude Giroux as well, you know, you always get into the you know beloved old guy without a cup situation. I think that's going to be one that I'm pulling for is Florida a little bit there.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, there was a couple interesting deals too. I mean, like Minnesota and Colorado, uh, the Stern for Joest trade I thought was interesting. You know, within the division, and then the Wild particularly. I mean. You know, we heard so much about goaltending and we thought it would be the Leafs or Edmonton making a deal. And then it's the Minnesota Wild to get Marc-Andre Fleury coming off his final game as a hawk against the Jets on Sunday night.
3: I mean, that's a bet that Marc-Andre Fleury goes Marc-Andre Fleury against Winnipeg in 2018 Uh, because he can do that. And every time that you look at a stretch of games where his save percentage is bad or he's struggling or what have you, you can find that stretch where he heats up and is just about unbeatable. And winning the Stanley Cup or going deep in the playoffs, I don't know what Minnesota's uh, ambitions or expectations are. They're good. They're definitely good. But are they as elite as a Colorado or a whomever else? Um, well, add Marc-Andre Fleury to that. Have him play like he did against Winnipeg in 2018. Uh, and all of a sudden, your chances are, are, are just that much through the roof. I think that their goaltending had been adequate throughout the season, but they're looking and betting on a chance for it to get spectacular if he heats up.
1: Uh, Marat, this has been awesome. Hey, just before we go, I know there's a game tomorrow night and we'll be focusing on that tomorrow, but I have to ask you about Friday, the return of line. A. Uh, we've been kind of talking about this all week. What do you think? First of all, the reception that he's going to get at the game on Friday night from, uh, from the Winnipeg faithful. Um, and what do you think we'll see from both Liney and Dubois in their first game against their uh, the teams that traded them?
3: I think Canada Life Center is going to be welcoming to Line a Liney. He was so popular, and despite essentially, I mean, forcing his way out of the club, I think he remained popular. I think people missed him. Oh, wow. I haven't heard too much of the fan base turning on him the way that they can, depending on what player it is when they go. So, I think it'll be mostly a, a positive response. Maybe a couple of jeers. But the thing that I watch out for, and you alluded to it, is Patrick Laine is a man of personality, of confidence, of ambition. He's going to want to do something special in that game. Like that toe-drag move that he does across the blue line where he tries to beat defenders... Uh, one-on-one I think we're going to see him try we're going to see him absolutely try to do something special and then Pierre-Luc Dubois I mean he's already had the chance to go and play in Columbus I believe Laine was hurt that game I mean he's had such a tremendous phenomenal season as well he'll know the microscopes on him I mean um, you know that nobody's going to be blind to that and I think that it's just going to be fun it's just going to be fun they're both very good players in their own rights different skill sets to be sure Um, but from part of me, from two thousand sixteen to the trade, Patrick Line, was one of the faces of the franchise, and you just you know something creative or interesting or explosive is going to happen on Friday night.
1: What, uh, well, you, if you would like to tease anything you've got coming up in the athletic, I imagine the return of Line is going to be uh, quite the topic
3: for the local media going into the weekend. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that that's going to be the focus. You know what I wanted to do though uh, a few days ago. Domestician and Shanna Goldman put together a comparing teams to cup contenders and cup finalists of the years past you know having that number one center in place having that top pairing defense and sort of really doing an analytical look at how teams stack up where quality is and how it compares to cup contenders and champions from years past and they left Winnipeg out of it so I think that even though I don't see the Jets as a Cup contender this year, they're not even in the playoffs as we speak today. I think it will be really instructive to see where the holes are, where the pieces are established, what Kevin Chevaldeoff's long-term job is to make sure that this team hits the heights that it, you know, is hoping to, while Scheifele, Wheeler, Hallibuck, et cetera, are all under contract. And also, if we can be a little bit critical for a moment, paint the picture that this is a pretty faraway team right now, and. Yes, Paul Stastny can do a lot of things. And yes, he's a valued member of the locker room. And yes, a fifth isn't so much to pay for Zach Sanford, who looked to fit in really well yesterday. But this isn't a win-now-win-immediately team as well. So I think that there's just a sense of taking Winnipeg and comparing it to the rest of the league that I wanted to do for a little bit, and I want to do that soon.
1: Well, uh, we've got lots to talk about over the next few days. Three games in four nights beginning tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators and... uh, a special return on Friday night at Canada Life Center. Marat, thanks so much. Looking forward to everything you've got coming up in the athletic and uh, looking forward to chatting with you next week on WST. Right on us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There he is. Our good friend, Marat Atash, follow him on Twitter at WPG Marat. And if you're not already subscribed to the athletic, what the heck are you waiting for? All right, let's get to it. Princess auto curling report time. And I have some good news to report. Harry Ainerson's team has just beaten Sweden in a, uh, a massive game for the, uh, the club. They needed this one to get up to 5 and 2. Um, right now, this is the way things look. The Swiss, who have just been crushing everybody so far, are 7 0. Oh. The Koreans are 6 and 1. Sweden, now with the loss to Canada, is the only team that's played eight games. They're at 6 and 2. And then there's a group of the United States. Denmark, Canada at 5-2. and two. Japanese are at 4-3 and three after Canada beat them yesterday. Um, so, you know, there's a still a lot of curling left to be played. And a very, very big, big matchup coming up a little bit later on. Let's just check tonight's draw a little bit later on. So Canada is off in the, uh, in the afternoon draw. And I imagine the ladies will be back on tonight, all oh, going up against Scotland. So... I mean, another big, big matchup. Uh, the Scots have had a uh, terrible time so far. Um, so that being said, we're actually used to Scots being quite good. They're 0-7 right now. So looking pretty good for the Canadians to get up to 6-2. and two. We'll follow them throughout the week at the World Curling Championship. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of curling in the province. Team Jennifer Jones, Team Mike McEwen. And the place where you'll find the best deals on the most, most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit Princess Auto at one of two Winnipeg locations. Of course, they're a nationwide company headquartered right here in Winnipeg. Uh, but regardless of where you are, you can shop online at Princess Auto 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And may have to catch up with our pal Reed Carruthers over the next couple of days when time uh, allows because, of course, Reed's coaching the Anderson team out in Prince George at the world curling championships. Uh, Our friends at little Brown jug are ready for spring. Make sure you're following them on Instagram at little Brown jug. Um, They've got all sorts of events coming up a smarty pints event happening tomorrow night. And of course they're with the new spring hours over at little Brown jug with the tap room open Tuesday through the weekend. Um, if you are not able to get down to William Avenue, though, you can get the great taste of little Brown jug delivered to you Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturday, We've Got an amazing website, simply go on to little order the 1919 and all your favorite beers and get them delivered to you fast and easy from our good friends down at little Brown jug over on William Avenue. And, uh, Busy night last night and a busy weekend coming up over at Boston Pizza. Of course, the BP City place is a great spot to go with friends of the family before or after each and every Winnipeg Jets game. And as the excitement continues to push, the Jets put some wins together. If you're not making it the game, no better other place to go than your local Boston Pizza Lounge. Enjoy those gourmet pizzas, Boston Wings, Ice Cold Schooners, and more. And you can always order online and get it delivered to your home at bostonpizza.com. All right, we will get to the cool bet lines a little later on. We'll also check in on the, uh, my, one of my favorite golf events of the year, the Match Play Championships, which was going on right now. But let's get Michael Remus back in here to keep this show going. In the final half hour, Remo, a uh, fun, fun chat with Zeiss. Always love having Zeiss on. And, uh, man, we had a lot to get to with Murat coming out of the trade deadline and that uh,
2: very interesting game led by Conor Halibut in the big shutout last night. Yeah, interesting is one way to put it. Um, I was left trying to wrap my head around like what I just witnessed. Um, So it was oh, quite, by the way, just a quick
1: thing and shout out really? to the guys in chat. Yes, Mitch and big guy. There's a reason Scotland's 0 and 7. And that is because uh, I guess they had to forfeit due to COVID. So that's actually unfortunate. That means we probably won't get to see the Anderson team tonight on television, Uh, but very important that they do get to uh, get to six and two on that. So uh Yes, thank you for that reminder. Uh, you know, with all the action going on, I sort of forgot about the, what had happened earlier on. Thought they might be able to get back in. But anyways, 0-7, great news for Carrie Anderson. Sorry, Remo, back to
2: the uh, update. I think you're update. just rattled from this Tyreek uh, Hill trade. I don't know if well, you saw. I mean, if you want to rewind, go rewind to the beginning of the Zeisberger interview where Zeis brings up the Tyreek Hill trade. And your face during that was amazing. And then you brought up the Royal Sports, and I did pull up a picture of Tyreek hill and a dolphin let's just take I saw a look you at did that <laughs> you didn't i saw you didn't mention it but uh just... I, I i was trying to ignore
1: it of course if you're looking for your nfl gear we know royal sports has it but uh there it is i'm not looking forward to seeing that this year i really thought that they could get waddle back in the trade i would feel a lot better about this if jalen waddle who was their first round pick was it the year before or last year um would have come over in a trade I mean the picks are important, and the Chiefs have done a very good job at you know selecting players in the draft. Uh, I did see a thing from Warren Sharp that said, "Listen, short term this definitely takes a big bite out of the Chiefs going into this season and makes them less likely to win a Super Bowl this year." But considering the window that you've got with Patrick Mahomes and the contract that he has, uh, it might give them a better opportunity to be competitive long term under the cap. But uh, with what's happened in the AFC West this uh, this off season, Remo with you know, the Raiders loading up and getting Devontae Adams and Russell Wilson joining the, the Broncos and Khalil Mack joining the Chargers. Um, listen, the, uh, the Chiefs, I'm not even sure. In fact, I would probably say right now, we'll see what happens when the odds come out from the bookmakers and over our friends over at Coolbet. I'm not even sure that with Tyreek Hill leaving, the Chiefs will be the favorites in the division, a division they have absolutely
2: owned ever since Andy
1: Reid showed up in Kansas City.
2: Yeah, you you might be right there. Uh, crazy, that division, and uh, tough to imagine Tyree kill in a in a d- different jersey. But uh, what a crazy offseason it's been for the you know funny how Mike was mentioning you know, the NFL. You see all these players changing teams. Devontae Adams, Tyree kill, nothing that crazy in the NHL. Claude Giroux, a big name, but uh, yeah, nothing crazy. We're still waiting on um the Evgeny Dadanov. Trade the dispute over the no trade clause. I kind of feel bad for the guy. It seems like he did nothing wrong. He filed, he filed his clause to the senators, and Ottawa didn't disclose in the trade, or Vegas intentionally knew there was a no trade clause and didn't, and you know, and didn't look into it. I, I mean, I, or I have no. Or they, they, thought they thought it, it didn't expired. apply to them. They thought it just didn't apply to them. I, I remember in past, like when a player gets traded, waves their no trade clause, and then it's not. Active, this is the thing. He didn't waive his no trade clause yeah. from Ottawa. Vegas wasn't on the list. They weren't on the list. So, what a weird situation where, where you know, you put a you know you don't know a player has a no trade clause and you trade him to that team. I mean, what what are the odds they would have picked a team that he had a no trade clause? To? Oh, ten and ten and thirty, one and three. So, uh, I guess Vegas picked wrong. I I have no idea what to make of this. It is, uh, it is bizarre, and I mean, it absolutely kills, um, you know, Vegas.
1: When, and, and it's funny, because we, we just talked about with Murat about, you know, the benefits of the Brian Little trade, contract trade, um, you know, which the Jets pulled off with Arizona, and what it will help them do going forward, um, you know, in the next couple seasons as it pertains to the salary cap. Um, you know, the bottom line is, I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to get the likes of Mark Stone and Martinez and, you know, Robin Lehner back. And they're having a tough time activating these players right now. And that was the big reason why they made this deal. So, I mean, how it shakes out, I'm not sure. But I think it's safe to say, Remo, after what we saw last night, uh, that despite the best efforts of the guys that are putting those jerseys on right now, that is a shell of what the Vegas Golden Knights are, and their playoff hopes are dropping by the day. And this is a, I don't want to say it's a death blow, but it could be a death blow um, when it comes to managing the
2: cap and getting the players back that they so desperately need in the lineup. Yeah, their lineup is not does not look like a playoff team. Um, they had a player on uh, Monday night in Minnesota, Zach Hayes, who got to the rink like eight minutes before warm-up. He did the solo lap last night before the game because he didn't even have time to do it before the, before the game on Monday. I mean, uh, I mean, they're bringing in a bunch of players from the AHL. So, I mean, you're looking at the, the playoff standings, and we're here, we can pull it up. And Vegas, they're, they're dropping. I did look at the 538 model for making the playoffs. 538 has the Jets at 16%. 16 yeah that's 16. my preferred
1: my preferred uh, playoff yeah. list the jets always seem to be a bit higher on 538 so that's yeah. what we're going with on
2: winnipeg sports talk yeah so we'll see what happens i'm, I'm i don't know about you but i get at these like spam calls all the time well yeah you know what the key is don't pick them up but i i thought i'm waiting for a different call and so i had to i had to see but you pick up <laughs> and there's no one there <laughs> and then you know it's a BS call. I, I had a bunch I get of those ten for of them a while a day. and
1: then I just didn't I just didn't answer any of them and then they stopped. It's sort of weird. I don't know. You get on some sort of a Man. list or something for a while. I'm sure people in the chat can discuss the issues of uh of these spam calls and people getting your saw, number going forward. I saw
2: Mike McIntyre tweeting about. It. Sorry to interrupt the show. A uh, show there.
3: No, that's but an that, inter-
1: that's an important topic that, you know, affects everybody today here in our uh, well in the chat Anyone, I mean, bottom line is everyone's got a cell phone, and the damn thing goes off. I mean, uh, call waiting's a beautiful, or uh, caller ID is a great thing. I mean, unknown numbers usually go to VM unless mm-hmm. there's something very important that you're waiting for. Let me guess, like someone's coming by to, uh, you know, pick up a uh, a Van
2: Halen cassette that you sold for five bucks no. on Facebook Marketplace. No, so uh, oh, I'll tell you the actual story. I'm waiting for. So I got my wife a cell phone for her birthday. Um, I said I wanted a certain color from the cell phone company. And they sent me the incorrect color. And it's just a giant pain in the ass to get them to switch it. you think that I could just go to a cell phone store of the company and say, hey, you sent me the wrong one. Can I have the right one? It would take two seconds. That is not the case. I have to mail it back to them, wait for them to process it, (laughs) And then they can send me a new one or then either they send me a new one. Meanwhile, I'm getting billed for this new plan where they did send me the wrong phone. It's a big, it's a huge pain. So I'm like dealing with people on it. And let me I, guess, I are you trying to tell me.
1: us on Winnipeg sports talk that one of the big,
2: massive well, phone only, companies only, is providing mm, shitty customer service? No, they're doing I a, find that hard to believe. No, that's not what I'm saying. They're, doing you know it's a big company if to run through all these hoops so and look there's only two of them there's like two of them here you can choose from so you're kind of screwed and the people I've talked to are all very nice and doing the best they can but it baffles me that I can, and I don't even want to talk about this on here you know for reasons but it I'm getting calls so I'm tr- I don't want to miss it because they call me and um you know they don't give me there's no number I can call them back <laughs> No story. Well, the
1: trials and tribulations of uh, getting the proper colored phone at uh, WSTHQ.
2: Again, this is like first world problems, like the wrong color phone. It's not, <laughs> this isn't a life or death thing. I don't need That's to part derail. About it derailed the whole show but this is what um, i'm what i'm dealing with here listen um there, there's a couple other
1: things that i do want to get to but um uh, listen before i'm going to give a big shout out to our friends at nick and nicky dq in a minute nick's got some good stuff to uh, to mention but remo before we do that and i do want to get to the cool bet lines You, I know people will be interested to hear how your night was last night because you were back in the booth in the press box working with the Vegas Golden Knights radio team. And I know last week our good friend Gary wasn't here but made a very popular appearance on the program um, but you got to get up there with Gary and Dan. Tell us about the night in the VGK radio booth. Uh, I'm sure you've got some interesting stories from uh, from seeing the guys last night
2: and what they thought about the game as well. Yeah, I was sitting with Gary and Dan Duva. Well, they were just like Vegas. I mean, how can you get mad? They couldn't score the game. It was like ridiculous. I mean, William Carrier on the doorstep a couple times they had posts. I mean, it was amazing to watch. Again, it was like watching the week before and then it's funny, they joked that, you know, the week before, you know, Vegas was outplaying the Jets and then Keegan Colisar fought Stanley. Okay, Colzar, don't drop the gloves here first minute and turn turn the momentum. And they didn't. And he thought, okay, they just need to get one. And um, they didn't. Gary was like, it's pretty good when I, uh, when I ripped Huss at the end of my last appearance, huh? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And then Gary commented on my suit. <laughs> which uh it was the one i wore at my wedding still fits and i was like yeah i'm actually getting a new suit um Husk got a deal with f and you know i was able to get some new ones and gary's like why does Hus need a suit from f <laughs> <laughs> well that's gonna be you know when we do when i do get the
1: suit i mean i'm not gonna tell anyone about it i'm just gonna go and in the middle of the week all of a sudden show up and do a suit uh, a, a suit show and um and who knows maybe at some point when i feel like it return to uh, return to the press box and see everybody up there but uh as uh, as they say as they say in the stand the comparing the stands to the press box no beers no cheers no tears um the place to be if you want to actually go and enjoy yourself at the game is in the stands. so i will continue to buy tickets continue to be down there with the uh with the people and uh every now and then maybe pop in to uh see the gang up in the press box but anyways that was that was fun to see uh gary back in here last he's, night and he's got uh, a
2: beard now i don't remember him having a beard he here.
1: did he did, did what about the earring did he take our suggestions from the chat and mix the earring in because he wasn't allowed to wear the
2: wig i don't think he had an earring i wasn't looking too close we had a nice conversation like people are there to work i'm not looking to bug anyone but it was I I purposely picked the Vegas game to do to work in the booth, um, so I could see Gary and hang out like the old days. Yes, uh, the old days of us hanging around the two of us along with uh,
1: along with you uh, riding shotgun. Uh, good, good stuff. All right, hey, listen, uh, I mentioned uh, lots going on over at uh, DQ, and Nick sent me a message earlier today. Uh, our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ have a lot going on. Four locations, you know it. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. All stores until Sunday. Buy one Blizzard, get one for $1.99. All for Nick and Nicky DQs. And some other big news. All delivery platforms are now available. DoorDash, Skip the Dishes, and Uber Eats for all three locations, with the exception of Niverville, um, although man, the way Niverville is growing, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got delivery services coming up soon out there. Um, so you know, check out these new stack burgers, cakes at DQ Manitoba on Instagram if you want to order one of them in advance. But buy one get one at Blizzard for one ninety nine. All stores for Nick and Nikki DQ up until Sunday. And yes, if you do want to uh, stay home and order from the Nick and Nicky DQ, just make sure it's one of those three little Winnipeg locations and you can get it done. And by the way, uh, Nick, a shout out to you from all of us. Got his knee done yesterday. So uh, I know he's going to be uh, maybe down for a little bit, but uh, we're thinking about you, buddy. And uh, we've always got some time for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, and of course, Friday coming up, another marble race with uh, some great prizes, including the uh, co-branded hoodies with our friends at Canadian Club and Winnipeg Sports Talk. CC is on sale right now throughout the month on the original and the 12 year at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And very soon will be the official launch of the Canadian Club and Ginger ready to drink mixed cocktail. It's going to come in six packs. And next month with any CC purchase in Manitoba Liquor Marts, you'll get a can of the CC and Ginger to try make sure you're with us on friday afternoon when we get going for another marble race and a big shout out to josh Vatsnalt. we got a uh, josh has given us updated winnipeg marble race standings uh, there's been a shakeup in the top 10 we'll drop those for you on friday before we do the weekly marble race all right we're going to get to the cool bet lines in a minute But Rima, one other story, and I think people know I'm a big tennis fan. I always like to talk tennis, particularly when good things are happening with the Canadians and around the majors. But this was an earth-shattering story in all of sports yesterday. World number one, Ozzy Ash Barty, the current Wimbledon champion, the current Australian Open champion, and the world number one, retired suddenly yesterday announced it on her instagram in an interview with a very close friend of hers the former world uh, australian number one player and um you know it's stunning for so many reasons i mean she's the best player in the world she is holding the wimbledon championship and aussie open of course she said that her lifelong dream was to win wimbledon she did it um and then figured that you know she had a little bit left in her she won australia she's a national hero and is now walking away from the game on top of the world at 25 years old. And, uh, you know, I tweeted this out late last night. If you want to go watch it, um, you know, just go to my Twitter feed. Um, but it's about a six-minute, six, seven-minute six, seven Instagram video where she talks about her decision. And it's so unlike what you normally hear from athletes. But, um, you know, she's looking to be not travel as much, spend some more time with her family. Ash Barty the athlete has done a lot of things but you know her as a person who's looking to do others and you know it's very commendable she seems very happy she's very at peace with the decision um but I'll tell you what I mean it really does stand out amongst so many others that work so hard to try to keep their careers going for someone on top of the world with so much potential to make tons of money and win more championships to
2: walk away at 25 years old on top of the world yeah, nice comment here from Lynn Reimer saying, after making almost $26 million in her mid-20s, why not retire before the injuries begin to drag her down? And I think that, you know, if you're an athlete, staying at number one or staying at the top level and even getting there, such incredibly hard work. And it seems like, you know, sports has been maybe not her, pri- you know, that tennis has been not been her primary driver. And she, as you said, she's into other things. and she accomplished what she set out to, you know, winning major championships, becoming number one. And she's like, you know what, I'm in a good spot right now. I don't, I feel like I don't really need to do this anymore. And it is, uh, you don't, you don't hear that from a lot of people. And Some people want, maybe, want to push themselves to continue or you know, make as much money as possible. But um, she seemed like she's in a good spot. And look, maybe she, in a couple of years, she decides, you know what, I want to come back. But right now, I think you got to commend that Husk because you see so many people maybe push themselves too hard, you know, run into burnout or mental health problems or get serious injuries that have, you know, affect your quality of life. Um, well, you know, it's, it's a great point and I'll
1: tell you what, and I mean, Gabe, our buddy uh, Gabe Morency had a, you know, a good, you know, was tweeting about a lot about this, um, that, that road of being, and, and I, I say specifically about young female athletes, women's tennis, figure skating, gymnastics maybe a little bit less because there is a team element but it can be incredibly stressful and it can be very very lonely and um you know what a lot what a lot of these young athletes do and especially the women do is you know they miss out on a lot of part of their lives and you know and this is not the case with ash Barty. she's you know on the top on the top of the world and doing everything but you know you see the toll that it takes on on so many uh, others and You know a difficult transition to life after being an athlete so i just i found it fascinating but you know reading more about Barty's story um you know she was very very talented very early on and eight years ago as a 17 year old she announced that she was taking a break for from professional tennis and she said at the time it was too much too quickly for her she's been traveling from quite a young age she wanted to experience life as a normal teenage girl and have some normal experiences and she then became playing professional cricket for a while she took 2 years off then returned to tennis in 2016 um and then you know had a number of breakthroughs became Wimbledon champ Aussie Open champ toast of the country and um, is now walking away at 25. And it'll be fascinating to follow her life from here on in uh, to see whether she does decide to return, because certainly there'll be the potential to do that. And there'll probably be people that'll be pulling her to do that, but certainly seems in a great space. I do suggest, watch, this. if you have six minutes um, and you're into you know just the sports and the mind of these great champions, I, I really recommend you watch it. I've tweeted it out on my feed uh, a little bit earlier today. Um, Let's uh, quickly take a look over at what's going on at the uh, match play. My favorite event, my favorite, maybe favorite betting event, and we'll get to the cool bet lines, is the Dell match play. I'm not sure if people are familiar. You get the top 64 players, WGC event. Uh, They get split up into 16 groups of four, where you've got three round-robin matches. One player makes it out of each group, and then it's a bracket of 16 that's down to number one. And uh, let's see what happened. Corey Connors, I guess Paul Casey had to uh, had to bail. Um, he's not necessarily pulling out of the event, but there was an injury he hopes to play tomorrow. Uh, but Corey Connors got the win in a concession just after just two holes today. Um, he was out there. Now, the other Canadians uh, playing in the event are Mackenzie Hughes. Mackenzie is uh, ranked 51 He's going up against DJ Dustin Johnson in their first matchup and uh, DJ's up one up right now through four other matches earlier today that are in the books. uh, Lucas Herbert beat Tony Finau. Xander Shoffley got a win. Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Kevin Na, Maverick McNeely, the kids, Kevin Kisner got a W. Luke List beat Justin Thomas. That was a big upset. Adam Scott got a win over Justin Rose. Um, Jordan Spieth as well beat Keegan Bradley. Um, John Rahm just get out on the course right now against Sebastian Munoz, and then the final match of the day, Patrick Reed, the bad guy, going up against American Cameron Young. Uh, Of course, you'll be able to bet on those uh, later on today. They'll have matchups for tomorrow if you'd like to wager. But let's take a look at the cool bet lines tonight for what's going on in the National Hockey League. And a huge night last night in the league. Uh, No help from the Edmonton Oilers, by the way. Reem. I don't know if you caught it, but. Oh, Oilers were up on Dallas by three to two with less than five minutes left in the game. And I mean, just two incredible breakdowns. I mean, the rupee hints goal was unbelievable. And then like 15 seconds later, another one's back in the net. And, uh, it went from what looked like could be a regulation loss for the Dallas Stars to a straight up win. So that did not help the Winnipeg Jets last night. And Calgary did the exact same thing. They were up a goal on San Jose in the third period. And the Sharks scored two quickies and ended up stunning the Flames, who had been so solid as of late, especially at home.
2: Yeah, the flame, I keep taking the Flames on DraftKings and they keep screwing me. I'm having flashbacks to last year. I thought, you know, I had Markstrom, I had the top line, wasn't, wasn't going well, but I mean, the Jets game finished, and I was all excited. I was like, "Oh, Edmonton's up here. Um, this actually is looking pretty good." And then Dallas, we've seen this story before from Dallas. You know, they didn't for- force overtime in this one, but they came back and won. Koskinen giving up uh, what a couple softies there uh, at the end. They got problems there in Edmonton, and I mean, it's kind of. You wonder how different it would be us if they didn't have this dumb divisional playoff format. Like if the Jets could leap you know, there's only one spot they're battling, but in the Pacific, like if you four, could have
1: six teams from the Central and two from the Pacific in, that
2: could happen. Like what so But like but what it if it could happen had now? But yeah, no, I'm I'm like, I'm with you. What like what if you had more? Like it's just take the eight best teams in the conference. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um well that I mean I guess there's the potential that the Jets could miss the playoffs and still be better than
1: all but two teams in the Pacific. But again, it's all about Dallas. I mean, if the Jets can't mm. catch Dallas, they're not making the playoffs. So that's the team we and pay most close looked attention at, to. We look at
2: Dallas' schedule coming up. If you thought the Jets had an easy schedule, and there's like no. two games against Seattle, like three against Anaheim, two against Vancouver, it was San Jose, a couple. It was. Yeah, it was, not, it was their, not good. It was they've not good. They've done
1: their Florida road trip already. They've played the Avalanche, so uh, um, the, the Jets do have some games that are quote unquote easier than others. But they've got two against the Avs. They've got that trip with Carolina and Tampa and Florida. Um, so you're gonna need to win some of those games. Bottom line. All right, tonight there's four games in the league. <clears throat> The uh, New Jersey Devils, big underdog in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Leafs minus three twenty-three, Devils plus two sixty on the money line. Uh, the Penguins with Ricard Raquel they had a big what five-one win over Columbus last night. They're minus two twenty-two into Buffalo to take on the Sabers. Sabers playing a team on the second end of back-to-backs, plus one eighty-five home dog. Maybe a little tempting to be honest, uh, considering the situation. Avalanche, minus 256, big favorites against the Canucks out on the road after that disappointing homestand. And the final game, the Chicago Blackhawks, plus 109 underdogs on the road to take on the Anaheim Ducks or what's left of the Ducks at minus 128. Um, Even some Major League Baseball spring training numbers up as well. I wouldn't suggest betting on spring training, but if you just can't wait to... Get a little action on baseball. It's all out there. And as we mentioned, the Dell match play as well. And of course, Kubet also is the leader in curling odds. Um, still got some time to get in before the late draw. Kicking off uh, first rock at 4 p.m. Germany, Italy, Japan, Denmark, Switzerland, USA, and Sweden, Korea. And we can tell you right now the odds to win the event. Switzerland's still the clear favorite at plus 165. But Canada's back in the mix, plus 285 if you think that carry and team can uh, straighten the ship, get another shot at the Swiss, and win the World Championships. Those games will be on TSN. And again, Canada scheduled to play Scotland tonight. Scotland out due to COVID, so that'll be a walkover. Canada moves to 6-2 and two this evening. All right, great show today, and tomorrow, Remo, we're right back at it. Ottawa Senators in town, the first of three games in four nights for the Winnipeg Jets. And I imagine by the time we are on the, uh, on the air tomorrow, we'll find out whether it's the uh, Red Hot Connor Hellebuck staying in the net after the shutout, or does Dave Lowry go to Comrie and then have Hellebuck go Friday and Sunday? Uh, very intrigued to see uh, what the uh, coach has for us tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I think the Jets should have a bit more confidence in Comrie. They've shown before. Uh, we did have, did have an update on that, Dadunov trade Frank Sir saying the NHL's in the process of voiding the trade from Vegas <laughs> to the Ducks. He's expecting official word to come today. It's been a complicated, layered process with many parties involved and I see I've been enjoying following um Travis Yost on Twitter and he's like how is there not like a central like, NHL thing where they keep track of everyone's trade clauses? It's amazing how like the teams are responsible to forward stuff. Huh? So uh, I'm curious if they change their processes going forward. It seems, I don't know, it seems crazy that a team could mix this up, that this could That's be That's embarrassing. It, it's pretty bad. And I saw some, who, I saw like down goes Brown or whatever. I mean, every time there's a big trade in another league, he's like, in the NHL, they can't figure out how to trade like a third line player. They always You hear GMs talk about how hard it is to make trade. Well, meanwhile, they can't even figure out in the NHL like, who has a no trade clause? How do you expect <laughs> them to trade, make <laughs> trades with star players? So, ban the no trade clauses. Everyone's open mm. for business. That's the way I'd like to see it, but uh,
1: probably isn't happening anytime soon. Um, big show tomorrow coming up. As I said, hopefully Brandon will join us. Ken will come up on Wednesday. Uh, and by the way, tomorrow, Canada men's soccer back at it. Hopefully we'll get double S Steve Sandor back up to uh, tee up Canada and Costa Rica. But it should be, a, uh, should be another great show. Thanks to everyone that's been with us. By the way, if you missed us earlier today, I'll just plug this again quickly. Uh, Remus and I, Winnipeg Sports Talk finalist in the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards for Best Podcast or Radio Station. So the fact that we're up against all the radio stations and we we're a finalist is uh, is great, but we would love for you folks to uh, pop over and and vote for us. I know Little Brown Jug's up for the best uh, craft beer. My buddy Nicolino's is up for restaurant, but there you see it if you're with us on the screen, radio station slash podcast. Um, if you can, go over, slide us a vote or two for Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'd really appreciate that. It would be pretty fun to win that award, um, you know, considering Remus's infamous radio is dead comment we might be able to say that's actually true if we could uh a podcast <laughs> could beat all the radio stations for the award so uh, it's w n l a dot ca just click on vote and uh fire a couple your way for uh for the boys remo what's
2: up tonight uh a friend of mine actually has got a big uh album taping at rumors comedy club uh he's recording his comedy album i'll give him i'll give him Ooh, a bunch Benj? benji's doing a show tonight yeah his first uh, album recording at rumors so nice. uh, if you're looking for something to do uh check it out uh benji rothman been doing comedy for a long time first album Hilarious at dude tonight here here he is i'll I'll throw it he's up on he's the only
1: here. guy i know that wears his baseball hat in a more ridiculous manner than michael remus like if you think remus's angle of his hat is a is
2: I think it's like bizarre.
1: Yeah, exactly. Benj gets another good 25 degrees on his hat when he's out there, but, uh, nicely done. Yeah. Big plug plug for Benj. Love the local comedy and, uh, he's done some great stuff. So that's really cool. Wish him well for that. I'll yeah be, I, I need to defend my championship. I did take week one in Andy McNamara's fantasy AEW wrestling league. Um, so a big night tonight. We'll probably catch a little bit of, uh, AEW and, uh, Try not to think about Tyreek Hill no longer being on the Kansas City Chiefs. I still can't believe that.
2: It doesn't seem real. Lots has happened so far today. I'm just gonna like take a video of like Zeiss talking about Tyreek Hill and like zooming in on your face. If I was good at video editing and do it. And so I'm enjoying going on Twitter and just like seeing all the uh, like people just photoshopping Tyreek Hill in a green jersey here has. oh there my you go. god this
1: is non-stop i can't get it oh like i see people in the uh people like, i would probably i would wear more than suits i think there's a issue. boy bruce would you wear your suits to accept i mean there's like a big red carpet i might have to get you know like a completely ridiculous outfit or something like that if that really is the uh, the case comment asking can you multi-vote like in the u.s i'm pretty sure i mean to be honest this is sort of new I'm, uh, I, you know, I mean, I know I was nominated for like a top radio personality a couple of years ago, uh, but didn't really think too much of it. But this is a little different now that it's our own thing. So, uh, anyways, Remus has put the link in there in the chat, but yeah, c a And, uh, Yeah, we're most concerned about the radio station podcast, but uh, there's some other really neat things. And I've actually heard about some neat things for the first time that I
2: wasn't really aware of that maybe I'll check out. So it's a a pretty cool thing that they're doing. Well, I did see a lot of people in chat talking about Two Baked Girls podcasts that we were now very interested in. Uh, Not about cooking, so we'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah, I'm going to send out an invite to them on 420 to come onto the program. And I saw there were some other funny 420 comments today in the chat. <laughs> Believe me, those are always duly noted, even if I don't get sidetracked when I see them. Always here for the references. Oh. So, uh, um, But anyways, yes, you
2: uh, you can check out their podcast, but vote for us. How about that?
1: Shout out to the two baked
2: girls. S- someone noted that uh, Hootman, former winner of the marble race, would be into the two book <laughs> two baker no, podcast dude hoot
1: man i know i was wrong about that hoot man is an owl guy he's a uh, a wildlife go i think he does oh, some actually, things with hinterlands who's who so uh yeah it's uh it's an owl reference not uh not where i
2: was immediately going it on, was it so. an actual <laughs> owl reference all right i did i was actually at the zoo this week and i saw a couple of owls there so uh i'm i'm definitely familiar with the animal
1: Right on. Okay, listen, we got to get these pods up so uh, people can listen to the show on the way home. Thanks to everyone for being with us today. Big thanks to Zeiss and Marata Tesh for joining us. Uh, all of our sponsors, including uh, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, BP, Kubec Canada, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, F Apparel, Culligan Water, and our friends at Vita Health. Don't forget Vita, Customer Appreciation Day on Friday. If you're planning on hitting up Vita, do it on friday save an extra 10%. That's going to do it for us folks. We'll get ready for game day tomorrow for both the Winnipeg Jets and Canada Soccer. Clinching day potentially for the World Cup. It's all coming up on tomorrow's show. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Give us that thumbs up. Rate and review on the pod if you can and uh, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow right here on WST.
0: Oh my god! Oh!